Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Stacks. This is Jay. And I'm the biggest treasure you'll ever see in your life, the treasure of the Shanazon. All right. <laughs> uh, but first, we're talking about Stray Cat Rock Delinquent Girl Boss uh, from 1970, the first in the Stray Cat Rock series of girl gang movies. Uh, this didn't do anything to make me any less obsessed with Meiko Kaji. I didn't figure. Uh, from <laughs> director Yasuhara Hasabe, who also directed uh, our feature last week, the final female Prisoner Scorpion film, which we were mixed on. I think we're probably both going to be rather more positive on this one, which is obviously more his wheelhouse. Yeah, this is... well. Female, the last female prisoner scorpion kind of felt like it was an evolution, like a branch off of this series rather than yeah, yeah. her, rather than the other series. I I feel it's it's not even that. It feels like the uh, and I mean true to uh, based on the special features and the interview with Hasabe himself. It's he watched the other movies and he liked them, and it was him trying to do his simulation of them that isn't quite those movies he's trying to put in all the parts that he knows those movies are supposed to have but it's not his own interpretation of it it's just him trying to do an imitation and you know he gets some things right and he doesn't get all of the things right yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. totally his vibe but yeah. you know he he gets along with mako so yeah yeah and she's still she's still perfect there uh, she is a completely different character in this. Holy shit. She totally has emotions different. and she makes mistakes. Yeah, and she's not really the main character yet. Like, I know she will come to be over the course of this series. She is the boss, but she's well, sort of overshadowed arguably. by the new boss in this one. Yeah, there's, there's a rival boss and it's not like even a rival. She's just like, oh, I'm into her. I, everybody's into her. <laughs> Everyone's into her. She knows what she's doing. We're just going to naturally follow her because she's more right than May is. And just tone wise, it's totally different. Like it's swinging. It's poppy. You know, it's 1970. It's... Everybody's like post uh, it's, it's post Woodstock. It's got a real youthful energy to it. Yeah, you still have your needlessly psychotic villains, but it's fun. Yeah, it's it's just part of the exploitation rather than uh, part of a, a negative vibe. It's just like oh, fighting. This is what we do <laughs> in American movies, but you know, we we, we kind of have a, a different vibe to it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Miko Kaji in this is really overshadowed by uh akiko wada playing akko it's kind of fun that both of them just play short inversion like their characters are just short versions of their own names <laughs> you got akiko wada as akko and meiko kaji as mei as the two main ladies makes it easier for me to keep track of which character is played by which actress yeah yeah totally <laughs> so uh Akko, uh, akiko wada she was like a pop star at the time like a rising pop star so i think she's I, my recollection is she's only in the first two of them. Um, she, I did see her in the trailer for the second one, but I don't think she, I saw her in the third, so that's probably the case, yeah. And, I mean, it takes a, a powerful presence to manage to actually overshadow Mako. <laughs> she, she does, though. She Although, really does. I kind of feel like Mako's, because of the nature of her character, she's holding back a little bit here. 
Well, yeah. Uh, and uh, there's obviously a frisson between them, which is really interesting, but it, it's also just Echo has that energy with everyone. <laughs> She's the girl boss. Everyone's yeah. crushing on her. Although Mako arguably is the girl boss, because at, at, at the beginning, she She's is. The she boss is the, the boss. Yeah, she is the boss of the delinquents. It's just once uh, uh, Akko comes into their orbit, she just sort of she she kind of becomes the boss by osmosis everyone's like well i mean obviously you know every, everybody's just kind of hanging off her <laughs> well i mean when you have to give the pep talk to the actual boss to get her to take action you, you kind of are yeah. the boss after that yeah it's like well uh, we, we should go do this thing I'm like really i mean that seems dangerous like i thought you were a cool girl gang like, well <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, uh, you know, it, it also starts with her. Like, it, it is her story. It begins and mm-hmm. ends with her. Yeah, she's... Turns out she's kind of like a Zatoichi figure that just seems to go through towns and solve problems there that she encounters, at least in this one. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously she's not the main character of the subsequent one, so yeah. uh, I, I think it's only this one. But yeah, this one she has sort of a... a an uh, a Clint Eastwood sort of vibe. She's the one who's uh, riding in from out of town. She's the one with very few lines. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas Mako kind of is doing. It, it kind of feels like Scorpion was her getting her getting an opportunity to do this kind of character. Oh yeah, kind of with a bit of her own personal touch. But yeah, I see that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's again the very pared down dialogue and being much more in control of the character and being uh, very tightly controlled and just sort of the object of fascination for everyone because of how uh, quiet the character is. Whereas in this one, she talks a lot, and it's also weird that in the one scorpion that she does, she also has a bunch of like conversations and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that that was always kind of weird. Um, seeing Mako Kaji have a conversation with someone is kind of new to me. In in this one especially, because she's much more uh, just, like, she is the girl boss. Uh, these yeah. are girl gangs and boy gangs. The, these are all, None <laughs> of these people feel like adults in any sense. No, even, like, the head of the uh, oh, absurdly Hanada. powerful... <laughs> yeah, the absurdly powerful Yakuza, or whatever the hell they are. The Seiyu group who are like it, the thing is, they're supposed to be, they're they're a far right nationalist gang, like they're they're s- sort of a political organization. Yeah, I w- I've been trying to come up with like a Western equivalent to what these guys are, and there isn't really an equivalent in our culture to what these what the Seiyu group is. Well, sort of. I mean, something like the Proud Boys. Are are not unlike that, except they're, it, it, you know, it's it's a more official position where they're sort of weirdly government adjacent, and everybody wears suits and stuff, and aren't a bunch of fucking drunk idiots. Uh, <laughs> like they they have some actual political purpose in mind. It's just, you know, they're yeah, they're they're it, also corrupt it, it, as hell from from the core. Super corrupt, and their their thing is they kind of want to go back to the emperor and stuff. I believe <laughs> that it's it's a whole weird. It, it's a different culture in that sense, but yeah, yeah. But 
I mean, both groups want to return to fascism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it does kind of actually, uh, a good uh, Western example would be uh, the Nazi party when they were just sort of starting to become official. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which, again, same same thing. Yeah. So uh, we, we open up with Akko riding up to the camera. In like on her cool motorbike in all denim, her cool all denim outfit that's sort of her signature. Yep. And the title shows up, which does sort of suggest she is the delinquent girl boss. It yeah. uh, I don't think there's really a lot of confusion over who the girl boss is here. I do feel that it's both of them. Hmm. Because I mean, Mako is the literal boss, and Akko just kind of shows up and hangs out with the gang for an adventure. (laughs) Yeah, I thought the movie was going to be. Akko passing the girl boss torch to May, but uh, that's not what happens. No, no. And and th- th- that's sort of a weird thing. There's not a lot of continuity between these. They're just, they, they pump them out. Uh, as I mentioned when we were talking the other night, they, they made all of them in 1970. It's like, it's like twice the speed of the Zatoichi series. They came out just like every couple months. And they, they didn't even start production on the second one until this one was a big success. So, like, they made it over the course of two months. It was, they they decided to make it, they made it, and it came out. <laughs> Very short man, span of time. Man, that'd be a good year for theater-growing uh, girl gang movie lovers. Oh, yeah, you could just go see tons and tons of them. But I do feel like maybe you saturate the market at a certain point. Maybe, maybe. I mean, this is more more than you get of the Marvel movies in a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's true. Which maybe is why they did all of them in 1970. I think the fifth one spills over into 71. Like, it's called something 71 on it. But uh, all, all of the others are 70. And then I, I feel like they just overstayed their welcome because they put out so many of them so fast. <laughs> it was like, okay, diminishing returns now. Well, I mean, I don't know about quality wise, but probably in terms of people going to see this, like, I can't keep up with all of these. Come on. <laughs> well, if they're if they're episodic in nature, you, you can like that's the sure. whole reason I go to, don't go to Marvel movies anymore is because I missed one and I don't know which one. Well, the, the damnedest thing with those is that you also have to watch the fucking TV series. Oh, now, my God. I don't have Disney Plus. That's right. That's right. Once I watched one of them and was like, I don't know who any of these people are. And I know I haven't missed a movie. And. Yeah, the TV. I'm not I mean, gonna watch the TV shows. I I know that like Doctor Strange is like a big payoff to WandaVision. It's like I don't have fucking Disney Plus. If you're not gonna put it out on a fucking disc, screw you. <laughs> it's impossible yeah. for me to keep up. I'm not gonna yeah. buy a service. Eat my ass. <laughs> but then you gotta buy Netflix for the other shows. Yeah, no, no. I have oh, some of the Netflix what? You don't shows anymore because they're not canon anymore. But they were. Well, and also, I mean, Netflix is just, I don't know what, yeah. what's going on with them right now. Oh, my God. I don't yeah. do streaming services. Well, that's fair. That's fair. I, I like my physical media. <laughs> like this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we get the title and she is then rear-ended by our boy gang in their <laughs> fucking Malibu Ken Dune buggy. <laughs> Uh, Patsia, the leader, and this guy, I don't know what his deal is, but he's got a deal. Yeah, Katsuya, I really like him. He's definitely the most interesting of the villains. 
uh, again, very similar. He, he's, it's Katsuya. He's played by Tatsuya Fuji. <laughs> uh, everybody's just kind of using their own names. He's in all of these. You know, he's he's just a standard the boy villain in pretty much all of these, I think. And he's in other uh, Hasebe films I've seen, like Massacre Gun and Retaliation. He is a lot of fun, but I cannot figure him out at all. Is he like a proto-Joker, maybe? Yeah, I mean, he just kind of needs to be a comic book supervillain or comic book. It's it's weird, not supervillain, but he like they're street gangs, but he just needs to be every villain that they need him to be. <laughs> yeah, he, he's like sometimes he's the super serious, threatening guy. Sometimes he's the laughing, bumbling idiot. He he pulls it off whenever he's trying to whenever he's trying to do anything, though, he pulls it off. He's great. Yeah, I think Tetsuya Fuji really does manage to string together the loose threads of this character into something. And just the look is a big part of it. Those huge yellow shades, him <laughs> laying back in the leather jacket in his uh, in his fucking toy dune buggy, which is just <laughs> that great. He, that he really, part of his deal is he really doesn't like to get out of the dune buggy. Yeah, he is not into it. He'll like use the dune buggy and go everywhere with it yeah <laughs> go down the subway in the dune buggy <laughs> climb the mountain in the dune buggy yeah i i like the, so they she's rear-ended by the dune buggy and just there's this huge gang of boys and she is just fucking unimpressed like yeah n- not not the slightest and like fuck you and she gets off the bike and she like goes up to them like get out of the fucking car <laughs> get out and they don't. They they just all laugh and drive off. He's like, oh man, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna clean up this town. <laughs> <laughs> so then, yeah, you you get the credits as she does her cool, uh, her driving around town, where some of it's actual footage of her driving, some of it's that really interesting footage where you just have the bike and her face looming above it in sort of a weird impressionistic background of city <laughs> i love that shit you get that a yeah. couple times in the movie that's just her traveling shots yeah it's pretty cool so yeah stray cat rock sung by akko playing over the credits you know she was more of a rising pop star i think this was kind of her moving up uh, she's she does a couple songs in this actually yeah, she does a song at the club later. Not as good. Not um, as good. And she does a unrequited gay crush song. Necessarily. So the we get I, I like the titles. They're sort of they're very flashy. Saturday oh, noon. Yeah. Just like just like neon pink or blue or whatever strobe color. Yeah, just strobes. You, you get just like flash, 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 and Saturday noon. So May is running late <laughs> to to the to the night fight. <laughs> she just hops on the back of this random girl's well, she thinks it's a guy at first. Yeah, she she hops on Akko's bike. She cuz she's at a service station and you know, Akko's very tall, much taller yeah. than everybody else in the movie and uh slim all denim has the helmet on and is on the bike. Yeah. So uh, she hops on the back and is like, I, I promise I'll interest, introduce you to some hot girls later. <laughs> yeah, please just take me to this place. I can't be late. Come on, get going. 
And she does a thing where she revs it and she takes off and it's sort of unclear how she feels about the I'll introduce you to some hot girls later line because she seems to be very into it later. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh... <laughs> so it does seem like, uh, sure, okay. Uh, I don't know if you know who you're saying this to, but yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> this is a very gay movie. <laughs> very gay. Uh, she revs and she like falls off the bike and then she laughs and like hey get back on <laughs> yeah. takes her to the place and uh she throws a matchbook and says call me <laughs> <laughs> and echo's like hmm, i'm gonna actually stick around and check this out because something's something crazy of, going on here this is an empty lot there's a strange vibe we're, we're just like next to some railroad tracks yeah you know, shit always goes down on railroad tracks in these movies mm-hmm a lot of people going down to railroad tracks in uh, Battles Without Honor and Humanity. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so she meets up with her girl gang. One of them is just huffing in preparation. <laughs> Got just like a, a bag. It's like, it's like, fucking knock it off. We gotta go to a knife fight. What's your problem? I feel like some of these people gotta be high schoolers, if not all of them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You definitely have high school drama vibes to a lot of this. It's just... Some of them take it to a really apocalyptic level, which is, you know, similar to the Battles Without Honor and Humanity thing, which is the mutant crime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, the, the rivals appear all along the ridge like samurai. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. So we have uh, the main one from the other girl gang is Toshi Toshie. Toshie. Uh, she is fucking psycho bitch. Just the worst. Uh, maybe the psychoist person in the whole movie. Oh, for sure Patsy she is. the Joker. Oh, yeah, no, 100%, because she's the one that's making him do most of the stuff. Like, she's the one that comes out with the blowtorch. Yeah, and he's more just like, I think this is funny. And she's also the one that brought the boys to a girl fight, which is what has her as the main villain for most of this, because like, mm-hmm. how, how dare you? How dare you bring <laughs> boys to this? Yeah, like... This won't help you find out which gang is stronger. No. But that's that, what that's, you gotta find out. I mean, that, that's sort of the point. This is the way you have a cat fight. So, yes. So uh, the, she and like uh, uh, May and Toshe have a knife fight to begin with. And uh, she gets a good slash on Toshe's knee or leg, like upper thigh, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then the second in commands both like jump in and face off. Oh yeah, um, I don't re- know her name, but I love striped shirt razor blade girl. Yeah, you got your razor blade girl, whose name I never got in the movie. I, I mean, I I watched it a couple times, and I was watching for it, and I just never saw it. I think <laughs> so, she's Yukio or Yukiko, but I can't be sure. It's probably Yuriko. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but there's also a Yuko and a Yuka. So I'm really not oh, sure. Oh, fuck, you're right. I don't know which. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, she's awesome. And there's the orange shirt girl on the other side who's sort of... The, they're, they're the two second-in-commands, and she gets her with the razor blades. She's She's got, like, a razor blade between each of her fingers, and she... Oh, yeah, she gets her. She's got, like, the three lines on her cheek. Awesome. She gets good fucking slash in. So then, yeah, the fight just sort of travels. <laughs> Kind yeah, it's <laughs> moves under uh, into this space under an overpass. 
it, it's a really chaotic fight. It's not like um, we're not seeing displays of like badass martial action here. No, like you have the the two. You, you have the first knife fight, and then you have the the razor fight, and then it just turns into a, a complete brawl, and everybody is just sort of on the move. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're up in some tall grass next to some railroad tracks, and then they end up under an underpass. It's like the Looney Tunes cartoons where it's just like dust clouds and you see fists flying out of them and it just moves into a parking lot. Yeah, and then, of course, the boy gang show up there. Yeah, and Doshier is like, oh, my heroes, please just murder the fuck out of these guys for me. Yeah, and Echo has been spectating from like up above somewhere. She found like a high spot and she's been watching the fringes of all of it. So the yeah the, the boys show up in their toy car again. I, I love the it, toy car. It does kind of. <laughs> I was thinking actually the second time I watched the final chase scene, it looks like a Power Wheels car. Yeah, exactly. It really feels <laughs> like they're. It, it emphasizes the kitty nature of all of this in a weird way. Especially later on when you have the dude in his military uniform and riding <laughs> shotgun. Yeah, his, in his fucking G.I. Joe outfit. His, his, his fucking stolen valor fake fucking military <laughs> Hanging costume. out the passenger side of his best friend's ride. Well, trying to li- holler at them. He's literally riding shotgun, though. Yes. So, uh... May curses out the leader for, as I said, calling men for help. He's like, are you kidding me? Come on. This is a girl fight. What are you doing? Yeah, you're crossing the streams of, you're crossing leagues here. It's not okay. Yeah, May is not into uh, uh, any any men's stuff. That's not what she's here for. This this (laughs) is a girl gang thing. Yeah. She came for a knife fight, not to deal with some guys. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, the the men kind of ultimately, you know, as you were saying, uh, whatever her name is, uh, Toshia is uh, begging the men to go after them. So they start to approach, and this is when Akko finally roars down on her motorbike and just menaces the hell out of everybody. <laughs> yep, she's just riding around, and we've got mostly like POV from over her shoulder as she's chasing everyone down. And then... You know, she's she pauses for a moment and May just like hops right on the back, and the, <laughs> then it's them riding at each other uh, at everybody together, which is fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Katsuya, I love it. He's not even looking at the fight, he's just sitting in his dude buggy, laughing his ass off and pouring coffee into his lap. What is this guy's deal? <laughs> May goes by and just screams, Fuck you at, at, at him as they leave. He's <laughs> just howls in laughter. Yeah, because that's when he spills the coffee in his lap. He's like, ah, this is pretty funny. <laughs> so they, they get back to their psychedelic clubhouse. I, I guess this is some uh actual club that they hang out. There's a bunch of real bands that play. Yeah, oh yeah. There's uh yeah, there's like full musical numbers. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I guess just actual uh, beat and psych bands from Japan at the time, which is fun. It's kind of neat. Yeah. And like, Akko comes out of the ladies' room, but uh, not not noticed by uh, the, the, the gang, because they're at the other side of the room. But there's these two guys that give looks to her as she comes out of the ladies' room. 
but there's a girl who's there with them and she just like drops the two guys and follows her (laughs) (laughs) really establishes just like again as you said it is a very gay film and it really emphasizes that 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 just all of the women are attracted to her i mean can't blame them well yeah i mean you (laughs) see why (laughs) uh so uh, she goes and sits down with the gang and she finally takes off the helmet and I, I don't know who it is. I think it's Mary, maybe, who says, you're a woman. Just watch your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just surprised. That's all. <laughs> and, like, once, the, you know, once she has revealed herself as a woman, like, a bunch of girls still cozy up to her immediately. Oh, They're like, oh, oh, gosh. oh yeah, damn. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have that moment that's completely the, you know, the the meme the girlfriend oh, the distracted the... boyfriend meme yeah like that <laughs> she's happens. walking with one guy or with one girl and another girl yeah. in a red yeah, think, dress yeah i think she's with mari and then you know who's, who's the younger more petite one and you know, she's like got an arm around her and they're walking up and then another girl approaches her and is like you're so cool will you dance with me <laughs> <laughs> and she just like walks away with the other girl and like Mari is just standing there watching her walk away. It's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> she ends up dancing with all of them. But well, yeah, of course. Yeah. But she's just kind of like, hey, guys, cool it with street fighting, man. Seriously. <laughs> it's like, it just doesn't seem to be your bag. Come on. Stay pretty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like uh, these guys don't play by the rules and you're going to get fucked. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh... Uh, Michio shows up. Uh, Fucking Michio! <laughs> what a what a lame guy. I, I it, it's he's such a fucking lame scrub that it does sort of seem that he's he he should turn May off men in subsequent movies, even though she's a different <laughs> character in the subsequent <laughs> ones. Yeah. Okay. So this fucking loser is dating May, and uh, he is. I hate everything about him he oh, has he totally no sucks. redeeming qualities and uh, i think I intentionally so he's meant to be the shitty boyfriend character <laughs> it's like this is my big break if i just have my friends take the fall then i'll make it big yeah just like such an asshole and like again he is so into his seiyu group his right-wing yeah. nationalist group yeah and she's like saying hey please don't join these guys there's something seriously fucked up about them and he's like how dare you badmouth them well and he's got this weird energy like it, it does feel like the sort of person who is in uh some sort of proud boys organization he does feel like he's got this angry tired of the world energy he's very uh like he, he does have this whole thing about like oh i'm so tired i'm sick of all of this life and all of this culture and it's all bad he's yeah. just very he, he has this antipathy towards everything yeah yeah but and you know, she like may says it's the fucking say group that's the problem they're poisoning you against everything else in the world he's like don't talk badly about them <laughs> yeah yeah they're a strong group soon they'll do something big I'm like that's ominous Soon they'll do something big. Ugh. Fuck. Uh, that that is kind of Proud Boys esque. Yeah, yeah. Or early nineteen thirties Nazi party. I mean, it's it's any of them. You know, yeah. it's, it's any of these sort of pressure groups. And uh, I I like 
the filmmaking here. It's the only time you get this, these split screenshots. I wanted more of that. That was yeah. cool. Yeah, I like th- this movie has some style, but it doesn't have a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly not as much as obviously the Scorpion movies. Yeah, so more yeah. of that would have been fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you get the split screens of the two of them, and it's it's very. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a weird style. It's kind of a beach party thing. <laughs> These do have kind of a beach party energy, but like they... super juvenile delinquent. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they're they're talking about uh, his friend, like his childhood buddy Kelly, who is going to throw the fight so that Michio can finally be a full member of the Seiyu group. This is what like he's pressuring his friend into throwing an important fight so that he can be an official member of his fucking right wing gang. Oh no, no, you don't understand though. It's not an important fight. It won't affect his chances with the Nationals. It's just right. one fight, man. You could have one loss on your record, right? Right. And and then I can be a man is literally what <laughs> he says. It's like, dude, you're not <laughs> the one who has to live with the consequences of him losing this fight. You're a shit. Oh, he totally sucks. And he walks away and May just sort of ponders and does a death stare at him as he leaves while she flicks at a lighter. Yeah. Like, hmm. It's the first <laughs> appearance of the death stare. It's like, it's like uh, I don't know about this guy. Yeah. So they, we get to the see the Seiyu group. And again, it's them very cult adjacent. There's their leader who's lecturing about loyalty. Mm-hmm. doing just like a, a whole sermon about it and everybody's in uniform and dressed up yeah like uh like it's the whole samurai thing like uh if you fail you might as well die because what good is life if you continue to live when you haven't fulfilled your objective right exactly which yeah very cult adjacent <laughs> very nationalist so michio goes to meet with the boss about Again, it's it's the same story that we just heard, although we were getting a bit more background on it about Kelly, who's the current boxing champion, and Michio's childhood friend is going to throw this fight, and they've bet ten million dollars against him, or ten million yen, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and they'll get forty million back, and and it's interesting because the way they discuss it here is just like they talk about it like it's just another business transaction here. Yeah, Which I think it's cool. Yeah, and and it, it feels like this is the big business transaction or uh, transaction for their group. It's what it's it's going to put their group in the red. You know, it's like <laughs> the black test car things. Like, oh yeah, we're going to get it over on the other groups. Yeah, yeah. We just you know we just front this ten million yen, get forty million, easy money. We don't have to do anything. Yeah, get us some scratch to do our big thing that we're going to do. Very fucking <laughs> yeah. Which. So, uh, yeah. Never, yeah, we never find out what the big thing is. Well, who knows? Because you know, we we're not in their world. We're we're no. in the girl gang world. <laughs> yeah, this is just like comic book villain stuff up above them. So, uh, he goes to meet with Kelly now. It, it's just it becomes the Michio show for a little bit, which is kind of annoying because Michio really fucking sucks. Oh man, yeah, he's he's not fun to watch. He's yeah. I, I really have no idea what May sees in him. It doesn't really make sense that she would be the boss of this. Maybe he was cool before he got into right-wing nationalism. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe they it's were high school sweethearts and 
just never got around to leaving him. It kind of feels like they should still be high school. Maybe that's sort of the thing. They're sort of starting to develop their personalities. Mm. So uh, he meets with Kelly, and obviously Kelly is pretty torn about it. He doesn't really want to throw a fight. He doesn't like the idea. Yeah, he's like, hey, man, I've got my honor and I've got all that. And it's like, and that's when he busts out the whole, like, hey, it's not going to affect your record that badly. Yeah, and Kelly does feel like I do sort of owe my whole career to you. We're not really clear on how that happened. Yeah, um, He helped hmm. him out in the past somehow. Sure. Uh, helped him rise up. It was, it was his biggest support back in the day, I guess. Mm-hmm. Again, th- there must have been a point at which Michio wasn't total bullshit. But, you know, at some point he became total bullshit. <laughs> I don't know yeah. when that happened. <laughs> so Kelly also mentions that he's into May, which I, is I sort mean, of weird. He's he just sort of throws that out and is like, you, you know, I'm hot for May too. It's like, all right, all right, I'll throw the fight. I'll throw the fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, let's just yeah. drop the let drop the topic altogether. <laughs> yeah, are you going to marry her? Because if you're not, I'm into her. Like I, I know, I know someone who's into her. It's me. Yeah, <laughs> if you're going to keep being a loser, uh, and uh, there, there's no real answer to that. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll throw the, I'll throw the fight. Fine, fine. Yeah, fight. Definitely going to throw the fight. I know if I don't do it, it's going to totally screw you over. So I'll just keep that in mind and think about yeah. May also. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. That, that you're totally treating her right, and I think you're good for her. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I'm going to keep all of those things in mind, Michio. Yeah, yeah. I'll, even though she doesn't want you joining the Seiyu group, and I kind of don't want you joining the Seiyu group. Yeah. Uh, maybe things will work out in a different sort of way. <laughs> maybe. So we, we go back to the club. Akko sings one of her songs. It's the, hey, boy. <laughs> she's got a really Janis Joplin sort of voice, singing oh. voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's good. So Miki, Miki is one of the girls in the gang. She shows up and she's crying. Uh, she just got away from uh, the boys. The boys snatched up. I think. Let's see who who was it? A uh, Yuka. Yuka got snatched up. So it's not Yuka who's. <laughs> so yuka's not the striped shirt okay no i i think it's probably yuriko i'm almost positive it is but but i have a hell of a time keeping track of the names of the non-leader gang members of this like the the names come up very rarely and that's why i have them here it's uh it's definitely miki who shows up and yuka who has been abducted because uh miki managed to get away right and it, it this is that point where they're like, well, we can't really go rescue her. <laughs> it's too risky. We don't have yeah. the, like, it's it's a bunch of boys. They have maybe a larger gang behind them. We don't, yeah, they've tough got like them. motorcycles and power wheels and, <laughs> and maybe military backing. I don't know. They weirdly do have military backing, so we're paramilitary backing. Yeah, so, it's, yeah. it's, it's a little. Well, unclear it's, just what just how powerful this gang is well it's because katsuya is i think brothers like i think hanada is his brother yeah but like secret so, brother yeah so they they have this sort of 
backing through that and and like the the seiyu group pays for the boys clubhouse which they also use as their torture barn yeah and and in exchange it's like well you help the seiyu group keep control over the city right so yeah may is saying how they're not going to go and do the rescue and it's like wow that's really too bad and uh, i was like are you <laughs> kidding me you're not going to i'm really disappointed in you and they're like <laughs> that's not very that girl hurts. boss yeah they're all actually like you're you're disappointed in us oh well, it kind of hurts everyone maybe. and so yuriko i think is the one who's like well i'll go with you how about the two of us go and do it and <laughs> may obviously has to go along too and then everybody's like we should go <laughs> yeah yeah may has to do her whole why am i like this am i truly too weak to be a leader i hate my own weakness and yeah then she goes yeah i oh yeah i i like that her and the girl with the razors are both just like yeah let's fucking go do this i, I we don't even need the rest of them let's we we can fucking <laughs> take those boys on yeah and on the way out akko tries to recruit one of those two dudes who looked at her coming out of the, the restroom <laughs> and they're like wow uh no he's like i'm i'm a pacifist i kind of believe in peace and she just punches him in the face <laughs> <laughs> so back at the boys hideout yuka's all tied up oh yeah this this is a this part whoosh yeah, it kind of really escalates very suddenly. And it is Toshia. She's like, I want to torture this bitch. <laughs> she pulls out a blowtorch and she starts, like, blowtorching her breasts. Just very fucking messed up. Yeah, and we just, we just look at Katsuya's face as he's just looking at his radio and turning up the volume. Yeah, it's it's very strange. She just goes full fucking Chicago Rippers on this lady. Yeah, like, from the beginning yeah so the gang shows up uh and echo immediately just it, it's it's like a video game beat him up she punches her she gets the blowtorch she's yeah. holding off the entire gang they really didn't need the rest they really didn't <laughs> i mean the whole gang has showed up with them at the same mm-hmm. time ultimately but you know it, it is echo who just goes in she gets the one punch she grabs the the blowtorch yeah so Katsuya shows him and is like, I don't know who you are, but you get out of this town right now. And it's like, fuck you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although I do like his take the rest of your women. <laughs> yeah, take the rest. <laughs> he knows who the girl boss is when he sees her. And Hanada shows up, who is like the military guy. He's the Seiyu group connection. He shows up and She's not intimidated by him either. It's like, fuck you too, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not going to keep us down. Us youth will be free and proud. Or like, yeah, we have our freedom. Uh, well, what if we don't? The line is, uh, Echo says, you can't take our freedom and control us with your power. That is a fucking badass line. <laughs> it totally is. And that kind of got me thinking that the Seiyu group, it's really just a metaphor for the man in general. Oh, yeah, yeah, completely. They they are just an organization who is targeting them and trying to keep the girls down. Mm-hmm. I mean, he even says that. He's like, what if we don't like your freedom? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, well, screw you, and they all leave. Yeah. She leaves with her women. <laughs> is, is this where they slash him in the face, or is that later? That is later, I believe. Because uh, Okay. Hanada, he, this is where he's like, man, I don't 
pay the bills for this place for this kind of bullshit. What are you doing dealing with a bunch of fucking teenage girls? Why are you involved in girl fights? <laughs> Which is hilarious because he's going to get the exact same lecture at the end of the movie. Yeah, he gets pulled into the, the fucking high school drama just as badly. You know, it's it's like when the Always Sunny gang are hanging out with a bunch of teenagers because they let underage drinkers in and Charlie just becomes so wound up in all the drama. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, she's she tells her to go watch or uh, Hanada also tells them, like, OK, go send some guys to watch Kelly, because I don't know if this thing's going to go down. I, I think Michio's maybe a fucking punk. And he's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it goes to Saturday night. This has all just been one afternoon, I guess. It's. This feels like it's been a real long day. It feels like an insanely long day. It feels ridiculously long. I could maybe have been an entire week, but it seems to just maybe. be one day. Yeah. I mean, based on the the way the, the flashing titles tell us anyways. Mm-hmm. So it's Saturday night and Akko is out arm in arm with her girls. Four of them. <laughs> yeah, with May and uh, Mari. No, Yuriko. Yuriko. Uh, behind yeah the the two of them are walking behind and just kind of having a conversation they're, they're the boss and sub boss and then you know you you have this pimp who's joined your gang <laughs> she's <laughs> she's like fully doing a pimp stroll she grabs one of the girls and and pulls her aside as the rest of them are going and is like hey hey give me all your money gatekeep <laughs> <laughs> guest like girl boss so like they this is them going to the fight. They're they're gonna go see the fight and they all get to go meet with Kelly first because apparently Akko's just like a really big fan. She she's really into boxing and is aware of him. I think May is actually the connection though that yes. got them backstage. Yeah, of course. She oh, oh remembers they're doing it for Akko. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well they think they, they went to, they're all going back to see kelly and congratulate him yeah echo's really stoked about it because she's into boxing he's like oh holy shit yeah she i get to meet yeah, this she dude? like actually knows about yeah. him yeah it's like yeah i know about your like cool signature move your right hand ko yeah. and then you know she, she meets him and uh, she's really into him and it's like oh man i'm looking forward to see you fucking knock that guy out this is going to be great and Obviously, it's already just hurting his soul because she's so cool. And it's like, oh, no, I'm going to have to throw in front of her. I really like how this scene is shot because, like, she's hyping him up and encouraging him. And they're in front of a mirror. And then Katsuya just slides out from behind him in the mirror, leaning against a wall. Right. It's like, oh, it's it's this jerk. What's he doing here? Yeah. It- yeah. Yeah. Huh. I, I also like that the fight kind of goes almost like Snake Eyes, where he struggles to throw the fight. <laughs> He's having a really hard time doing it. Yeah. 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 The guy's not doing well at all. And they, they go out and, and, and everybody's aware. It's like, hey, you fucking bum. What are you doing? And, you know, Akko and May both run down to the edge of the ring and they're like, screw you you should be ashamed get up off your ass you're you're not knocked out you jerk yeah which and it turns out the prime motivating factor for anyone in this movie is Akko being disappointed in them yeah it it cannot be stood or cannot be listed he gets up and he fucking knocks the other guy out yeah and then they can't assassinate the senator and it's a big problem (laughs) yeah 
I, and I, I really love when you know he he finally gets up and he uh, knocks the guy out and he's going out and all of the reporters surround him and he says to I think he's saying it to probably Michio in the crowd but he kind of just says it to all of the reporters is like I'm sorry but I didn't want to lose <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and like the whole fight Michio's face just like falls and <laughs> goes and, and then Katsuya immediately lifts him up is like come with me yeah you're, you're being taken away <laughs> yeah so they, they all beat the shit out of him in a room, and he finally somehow realizes what assholes they all are. It it finally gets through to him. It's like, wait a minute, wait a second, you guys are all a bunch of assholes. Why did I want to hook up with you? <laughs> Man, all it took was you freaking eviscerating or lacerating me with these wooden bamboo sticks. Well, it, it is, you know, the, the, the cliche, of course. It's like, I never thought the leopards would eat my face. Why did I want to do this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's like come on guys I'll, I'll pay you back the money but then he's like yeah fuck all of you but then the girl gang come in to rescue him because <laughs> girls gotta show up and they they, they kind of try to rescue this is where Hanada's face gets slashed. oh yes yeah Michio yeah. Uh, Michio is the one who does it he he like gets the knife away and does it after they're, they've already sort of rescued which is why uh Hanada suddenly decides he's going after all these teenagers. That's it. That's that's what we're doing now. <laughs> that's what <laughs> yeah, we're about yeah. these days. I'm gonna start poaching men from other departments, but not too many men because the boss can't find out about this. Yeah, when the boss finds out about it, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> but you know, enough men to scare the shit out of these girls. Yeah. So then we got like they're at their hideout and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. I really like the line. It's no good. They're everywhere like cops. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, all the girls go back to the club, except for Akko and May to stay with Michio and just kind of tend to his wounds. Cause he's just been beat to shit. Yeah. Yeah. They have to, they, they do this whole dramatic thing about, Oh, we're going to split up. No, we're going to go with you. And, yeah, they have to do that whole thing. Yeah, first. And, and of course, they, yeah, they they go to the club because it's like we have a lot of friends at the club. They'll take care yeah. of you there. You know, if if you're in force, they're not going to come after you guys. So just mm -hmm. do with that. And then Marie shows up and she takes them to a different hideout so that they're, you know, not easily found wherever they are in that first place. Yeah, because uh, turns out May didn't have any place in mind. Yeah. So there's this there's this bit where they're on their way and Akko and Michio pretend quote unquote to make out when the boys go past. Yeah. <laughs> well, that seemed kind of weird. Uh but I like it because May like looks in the window and she's got this look of She uh, does a death stare. They they linger yeah. for a moment kissing and like it just zooms in on her doing the death stare in the windows like oh you son of a bitch <laughs> yeah but who is she jealous of well also someone <laughs> says my turn next yeah and i don't know who it is it could be anyone and it could be referring to anyone referring to anyone hey <laughs> <laughs> uh, she was like oh please forgive me for acting so shameless and foolish yeah 
So back at the boxing ring, I guess for some reason Kelly's just spending the night. He's just at the boxing ring all night. It seems to be like two in the morning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's just hanging yeah. out there. Katsuya and, goes to see him, and he doesn't seem to understand why Katsuya would be looking for Michio. Yeah. Like, doesn't seem to get that Michio's in trouble. He's like, oh, you're looking for Michio? I, I don't know why, uh, but no, I don't know where he is. Why would I know where he is? I am I live at the boxing ring, man. And <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he does. I'm the boxer. I live at the boxing ring. I mean, it's Denver the Last Dinosaur depth of villain characterization, you know? <laughs> Background character. It's like, this guy's just a one-off character. He's a boxer. Anytime we see him, he'll be at the boxing ring. <laughs> maybe he'll meet somewhere on a rooftop since it's private uh boxing crime stuff the rooftop of the gym though yeah 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 so katsuya takes him back to seiyu because you know they they need to get a hold of michio and that's not working so kelly you didn't throw the fight that you were supposed to throw we never talked to you about it we thought our our guy was going to deal with it but now you got to come with us yeah, and he's like, no, man. Yeah, he's like, no, fuck you. And he, Katsuya goes to the club to try and harass all of the girls in the gang. But then the whole crowd closes. It's like, fuck you, man. Who are you? <laughs> yeah. You're just some, yeah. some loser in shades. Yeah, they basically just are like, oh, we're just going to escort you out of the building here. Yeah. So he's not having a whole lot of luck until uh, Akko and Marie go out to get food for everybody at the hideout. And Marie gets snatched up when Akko goes around to get the bike. Yeah, um, Akko seems... This is interesting because it seems like Akko gets distracted by the dress in the window. Yeah, that's a weird And bit. imagining May in blankets and then just kind of forgets about Mari. Yeah, she's like looking at dresses for a bit. And then there's, you know, back at the hideout, Michio and May are getting it on. And uh, yeah. she seems to be thinking about that. And there's this weird bit where she's like singing about her broken heart. And again, like, is it because she she wants to get with May and just like get this Michio guy out of here? Yeah, I mean, I hope it's not because she wants to get with Michio. <laughs> it seems Better bizarre. <laughs> Michio really does I mean, not have enough going of, for him. That seems yeah. out of character for her. Yeah, it's it's odd. Uh, but yeah, Marie's been snatched up, so Aki just kind of sleeps outside with her bicycle, <laughs> her, her motorbike. Yeah, and doesn't seem to realize that she didn't come home with Mari. No, well, she doesn't come home at all. They they just kind of don't come notice. back to the, you yeah, know. She's outside. Yeah. So Sunday morning comes along, and uh, the the boy gang rides in in full force. It's quite a bit like Scorpion when they come to the hideout. Mm-hmm. very similar to the uh, the well and it's kind of the same thing because they've grabbed they've grabbed mary they've brutalized her and then they've found the information they've come to get her yeah and this is where hana does in the toy car riding shotgun in his soldier uniform <laughs> it's so ridiculous he's got like the the bandage over his eye oh, yeah right so he got <laughs> badly so- slashed yeah and yeah he's got like an actual shotgun or yeah shotgun with him it is like fake military uniform in this power wheels car yeah with this dude in a bomber jacket and the the yellow sun yellow shades who's just been sort of a weird goofball this whole movie and just a whole bunch of teenagers on motorbikes following them 
It's like they are riding in force and they are dangerous, but at the same time, they're ridiculous. Yes. Like again, it's it's a Denver the Last Dinosaur gang. It's a nineties cartoon gang. It's like it's like if uh Michael Corleone were riding with um oh god, what's a shitty criminal? <laughs> uh, I, don't I don't know. Robert De Niro's character from the Ma Barker movie. <laughs> right. But, you know, if they were, like, on a bicycle built for two or something, you know? Because <laughs> yes. it's, it's really the fucking dune buggy that really fucking puts it over. Yeah. They, they feel like someone like... Captain Planet would be fighting. <laughs> now, Katia, I'm going to pollute the world by taking away the music. <laughs> So yeah, they're they're on their way over. We get the Sunday morning flashing. And then Marie, who's been beat up, runs into Kelly, who's just out walking somewhere, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he uh needed to go get groceries and bring them back to the boxing ring. And it's another thing where it's like, what? There's fallout from me throwing the fight? <laughs> can't believe yeah. it yeah, like <laughs> why why are you covered in tears and why have you been tortured what's going on i don't understand <laughs> so he like ends up going back to the club with her and sort of is filled in on what's going on that he's secretly been involved in and he didn't even know about it because what a <laughs> shit his friend is <laughs> wait they are a criminal group they're, holy they're fuck a whole criminal organization are you kidding me i thought that guy was just an idiot <laughs> So the gang, but they 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 also blame Mari for selling him out, even though yeah. even though she was tortured. Yeah, of course, they tortured her. So the, yeah. they close in on the shack, and it, yeah, it's basically the same as in Scorpion Four, except yeah, they come in and Michio is just instantly shot fucking dead. Hanada <laughs> has the shotgun; he just blows him away immediately. Yeah, it's literally like I'm gonna go confront them. No, don't confront them. You'll die. <laughs> he goes out and fucking it, dies, dies instantly because he he runs at them with a weapon, kind of like uh, our uh, cat. What was it? Katsu? No, not Katsu. Oh, um, uh, Ken. Kendo? Kudo. Kudo. Oh, Kudo. Kudo. Last week. Kudo. Yeah. <laughs> yep he just dies instantly one shot he's gone and may sort of goes into a blood rage she freaks out she attacks all of them and then akko obviously is there with the motorbike and she hops onto the back of akko's motorbike and they ride off and there's a whole fucking everybody chases after them and just one by one the boys crashing <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like they're never knocked off their bikes or anything it's usually just them falling over because the train's too rough well they're riding on railway tracks and they keep just veering off and crashing on the tracks and then uh th this is when Akko goes down into a subway on her motorbike and Katsuya follows in in the dune buggy <laughs> this i love this part of the chase because every time they go into a narrow alley or a stairway or something i'm like the dude buggy's not going to fit through <laughs> that. It's too big, but it does. But it's fun because that's what they're doing. They they keep establishing, like, it keeps narrowing, it keeps narrowing, and then finally he just fucking crashes it into something. <laughs> yeah, like, like some trash bags. Because yeah. <laughs> it's not powerful enough. Well, it's, it's a hell of a chase because first, like, she drops May off. You know, she goes over an overpass, like a pedestrian overpass, and 
again, he manages to chase over the pedestrian overpass in his toy car. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Like, like they're chasing for a good, solid, probably five minutes of just progressively getting through narrower and narrower things. And then, like, they're chasing all around this parking garage, and she manages to, you know, deke him out, and he crashes into a bunch of trash. <laughs> and uh she goes back and she she picks may up on the outside and they they all go back to the club and he's like all right let's get to our stronghold yeah and katsia goes back to his flop house <laughs> it, it, it's funny that like he's got all this backing but this looks like a crack den oh it sucks it looks so nasty i mean i guess it's just the way these people live the, this group of fucking reprobates I mean, it certainly doesn't seem like any of them have any capable uh, or capability of housekeeping. Like, can, can you imagine no. Toshia or uh, <laughs> Katsuya doing any tidying up? <laughs> Hard to imagine. No, no. no. <laughs> uh, and this is this weird bit where, like, they're getting it on and Toshia is telling like you're gonna just end up just like michio or michio this say you group are stupid bad news even i know you shouldn't be getting with them yeah and katsuya just laughs and she's like i'm serious like, i'm serious here and he's like eh. but we've already established that i i think it's hanara is his brother because i think yeah for whatever reason akko knows this like somehow yeah, earlier on somehow she just yeah. knows it yeah she just mentions it it's like oh hey you're that's supposed you're to be Hannah's a secret brother <laughs> yeah like nobody's supposed to know that what the fuck but we don't know how she knows that or uh what that has to do with anything but it doesn't matter yeah no we never find out but yeah doesn't matter so the you know at the club the seiyu men they they all show up and they just kind of siege the place so it's sunday night flashing and they have kind of like a sit-in folk night <laughs> <laughs> well because they can't leave yeah so you know the, you got your psychedelic folk band playing kelly's there of course and he's just extremely guilty now that he realizes what's happened <laughs> I, I can't believe i thought he was just you know asking me for funsies to throw the fight and of course may is like really wasn't your fault <laughs> i don't blame you nobody blames you it, it was michio's fault we all understand uh -huh. so akko sneaks out and may follows her and then uh the the razor girl I, I, like again i think it's yuriko she also yeah. wants to go she, but may gives her her sunglasses uh, and says goodbye just weird weird bit yeah, well you know she if may doesn't come back she's the new girl boss she's gonna be the new one in charge but you know the the, the group is obviously gonna fall apart without it oh yeah <laughs> yeah i mean if they don't come back this is the end yeah so hanada's boss finally shows up mr kondo <laughs> i hear you've been using our men to disrupt business of this club to chase after high school girls yeah are you kidding me what? i'm demoting you <laughs> <laughs> well no you see i've got a real good reason i don't care he's like no no this is stupid and katsuya is there and he just starts laughing at him he's like <laughs> you idiot look at what this look at all of this bullshit <laughs> 
so I guess he really isn't wound up in the Seiyu group. It's really just his brother who is, and he's just amused by all the bullshit. He, he's on yeah. the outside of everything. He doesn't care at any point in this entire movie. No, no, he, he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> uh, until until Hanadeth points his shotgun at him. Yeah, Hanada shoots him with the shotgun for laughing at him. Yep. And that's when Akko and May happen to show up, and May fucking stabs him and gives him the death stare while he's dying. Yep, but uh, he gets off one last shot. Yeah, he shoots May. She's shot in the struggle. So uh, just uh, most of our characters, like pretty much all of the interesting characters other than Akko and Yuriko have been killed off. Yeah, and at this point I was like, well, hold on. I know these guys come back for the sequel. How does this all happen? And that's that's what he told me that they're all kind of episodic. Yeah, I think just it's they're completely different characters in the second one. Yeah. So uh yeah, uh Monday morning, flash, 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 Akko leaves town, and Marie is like, come back. We didn't have enough time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the you know, the end flashes as she rides away and we get all those POVs or the 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 sort of esoteric shots of like motorbike and face and sky mm-hmm. <laughs> and the stray cat rock song plays it's good shit it's a good time yeah, it's pretty good pretty good i liked it a lot of fun obviously not on the level of the scorpion movies like the no. this, the early ones they're not uh they don't have the depth yeah, uh, it's interesting to see Meiko Kaji do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, similar. See her have like emotions, right? I I love seeing her do the death stare in this, though. Like it, it really <laughs> yeah. ties the characters together. That this feels like the teen girl gang her, and then it, it also does. It's weird because she did have an issue with falling for really stupid guys in that series like that that's how it oh, that's true i mean that's how it begins yeah the fucking cop the marijuana um, cop <laughs> and then the one time she gives another guy a chance it's uh kudo which what is it Co- oh my gosh coda kudo kudo yeah him yeah he sucks which, yeah he kind of sucks but she killed both of them so you know it works out yeah and michio just got himself killed doing the exact same thing that she told him would get him killed. Yeah, I mean, she told him. She she warned him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, this was a lot of fun. I'd love to see love to see more of these. So that would be, of course, the question. The next one in this set, I think, is Wild Jumbo, uh, which is uh, they kidnap a wealthy woman driver. And then I, I think this is a weird one where it isn't an all-girl gang. Like there's boys uh, as members of the gang, I feel like. I saw a trailer for it, and I think that is the case. Yeah, I think they're they're working with guys. It's just not a girl gang, but just a youth gang. Yeah, and I, I think this is the only one that's like that. Uh, but he, she, the, the the lady they kidnap ends up having a romance with one of the guys in the gang but uh, okay she's also the mistress to this cult leader oh <laughs> and then the gang grab they, they they know about a bunch of weapons that are buried from world war ii under a school 
And so they're going to go dig those up and rob the cult. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. I mean, they, I bet. they really threw this together fast. It's again, it has kind <laughs> of that Captain Planet Denver, the last dinosaur sort of energy to the way things play out. Yeah, I bet the cult is going to be hilariously cartoonish and psychotic. So we could do that next, or we could add, you know, as this is a box set, we always have uh, an alternate option. So this one would be Irizumi, which is, you know, it's another Japanese film. It's from 1966. And it's this lady. She is uh, kidnapped and she is she's taken to this uh, tattoo artist who tattoos this huge evil spider with a human face on it on her back oh i hate spiders with human faces they're the worst yeah and then uh her she is like on the run but the the spider's face seems to have like this supernatural power and it like gets redder and redder over time and they think it's like uh yeah i don't know uh it it sounds like sort of this weird kind of uh irigoro type nightmare okay that sounds interesting um but as you might have guessed i don't want to be done with meiko kaji just yet no i i figured it was most likely going to be uh the next one in the uh stray cat rock series so yeah we'll continue Mm. (laughs) with those uh so do you have any last thoughts on our first entry in stray cat rock or actually i guess one other thing do you want to do just one of those next or do you want to maybe do two of them together i guess we could decide it we when could we do, do it yeah yeah uh because okay it's good to know that's on the table actually that does help us get through a lot of these box sets a lot faster because we've been on some of them for years I mean, it doesn't really matter i i, I kind of like doing one at a time most of the time but these ones they are a little slim. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do feel yeah. like we, we might be able to uh, put a couple of them together. But yeah, well, we'll, see. we'll think about it. Uh, so, yeah, any last thoughts on Delinquent Girl Boss before uh, we close? No, I think I'm good. All right, well, on to part two. And we're back for part two, where we're talking about the treasure of the Amazon, a Rene Cardona Jr film from 1985 uh, part of a real exploitation uh empire or uh, lineage like uh, rene cardona senior is an exploitation legend in mexico he did a bunch of the santo films oh yeah you started you were telling me about that uh, the other day um so so his dad did a bunch of santo films he also did yeah. that that awesome Santa Claus, the Mexican Santa Claus movie, where there's Pitch, the devil, and Santa comes down to Earth to deliver presents, but he's also battling the devil for this one poor girl's soul on whether or not she'll like <laughs> steal a doll and become, you know, one with the devil, or whether she'll be pure and then somehow magically santa will deliver a doll to this uh very poor girl whose parents definitely couldn't afford to buy her one i don't know really <laughs> weird messages that it's giving all together <laughs> don't steal the doll yeah. give it to you anyway but look i'm trying to win a bet yeah it's kind of like that and then just weird shenanigans like him moving the like the, the devil moving the chimney around and <laughs> <laughs> 
it's it's very silly uh santa has a, a castle floating above the north pole with uh like in in space above the north pole on like clouds i think i've heard of this before it's, i haven't it, seen it but i definitely think i've heard of it oh yeah it's 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 a really psychedelic christmas film and i do recommend it it's pretty wild that so, sounds awesome so that, that's what i like primarily know his dad for but he did it like he he did i think maybe the earliest video nasty like something from the 50s i think night of the bloody apes was him maybe something like that oh good title anyways <laughs> And then Rene Cardona III, who's in a bunch of these, who's the son of Rene Cardona Jr., he also did a whole bunch of exploitation movies, like uh, Vacations of Terror. That was him. Oh, okay. Uh, one I watched recently. Cool. So yeah, whole lineage. He's our guy in the middle. And this is probably him at the peak of his powers. Uh, like I don't know if you happen to get to... Bermuda Triangle, which I did watch, and we'll maybe talk more about in part three. Uh, no, I didn't. I I saw the clips of the uh, interesting <laughs> acting that it has. <laughs> well, I, a big problem is the dubbing in that one. A bad oh. dub, uh, which it's kind of ruinous, maybe. But yeah, I mean, you you can tell that he had a better budget to work with in this one compared to in Bermuda Triangle, which is the next one in the set. Uh, Bermuda Triangle was, I think, like eight years earlier, I think. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah this movie looks like it had a real budget. Yeah, uh, I, I guess with the Indiana Jones craze, he could get some more backing to do something mm. like this. Right. Um, and he manages to fit in, I think, all the jungle tropes or almost all of them. I mean, it's it's heavily tropey and it's so messy. Like, there's so many fucking storylines going on all the time. <laughs> it it kind of reminds me of uh, Virana in that way. There's yeah. just all these different plots and, like, Donald Pleasance is in it his plot line doesn't touch the heroes at all except for one point at the start. Yeah, there's one spot where like he goes past and they see him and he's like, hey, I don't like those guys. And like, hey, we don't like that guy. And that's it. And it's like, no, yeah. no, they, it doesn't matter. None of these need to intersect. It's just we need to have this many people so we can get into every situation we need to get them into. <laughs> like, uh, if we got to kill a guy, like if we got to drop a guy in some quicksand, you know, how are we going to deal with the other guys? Yeah. Oh yeah, secret quicksand, especially oh, the quicksand was hilarious. <laughs> Tremendous, my, my favorite part in the film. I I would say probably. <laughs> I, I have to agree. Yeah, <laughs> but I actually wrote down all the different uh, jungle specific challenges that they have to overcome or get overcome by, and there's there's a, there's bunch. a lot. Yeah, there is, and like, most of them are classics. Yeah. Oh yes, yes. Uh, like you got your piranhas, your gators, but then you've also got your uh, corrupt government officers or secret Nazis, uh, leeches. Are leeches there. Are, are absolute essential. Um, harmless bats, inconvenient <laughs> monkeys. Yeah, I mean, and I, I mean, a lot of the problem is just the other people. Of course, you've got uh, dangerous tribesmen, headhunters. Oh, uh, yeah, he friendly tribesmen, dangerous tribesmen, uh, 
Feral hogs. Debris. <laughs> yeah, feral hogs. Yep. 30 to 40 feral hogs running through. Uh, for real. <laughs> yeah. <That's... laughs> I, I, I love that sequence that you have the feral hogs running through and then you have the natives chasing them and then you have like a few dudes popping out of bushes kind of theatrically. Again, it's I whenever I see people popping out of bushes in this sort of goofy theatrical way, it always reminds me of the Monty Python sketch where it's people who are very good at hiding <laughs> and, and they say like, okay, he's uh, hidden and we can't see him. They're like, all right, now stand up. And then the guy stands up and then they explode him. <laughs> they, they just like do this a bunch of times. Uh, but I, I, you know, it's the first thing that comes to mind every time I see someone stand up from a bush like that or <laughs> th- that or hot shots with uh, Miguel Ferrer like war. It's fantastic because he just pops out of a bush and says that line at one point. <laughs> so those, oh, I haven't seen that in so mind. long. Oh, I love those two. They're garbage, but they're so much fun. <laughs> Definitely my favorite of these Zucker Abrams Zucker cycle after uh, the original airplane. <laughs> right on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just them them popping up and it's like, oh, the. the <laughs> the natives are the prey like for the <laughs> for the headhunters like th- this is a chain of prey yeah yeah because <laughs> the there's two it took me a while to realize at first but there's at least two different native tribes here and they're not yeah. friends with each other and the, no. the headhunter tribe isn't friends with anybody they want they'll kill anyone they encounter they are well, they're uh, like literal headhunters. They're out yeah. to hunt heads. Like they go out to attack other people just to get heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, of course, based on <laughs> based on actual effects from 1958 in the depths of the Amazon in a non-specific country. Yeah, uh, this story is based on actual facts that occurred in 1958 in the depths of the Amazon jungles of South America. And then, like, you got like. A three-second beat. The action does not take place in a specific country, but in a fictitious place. <laughs> <laughs> the leader of this country. <laughs> oh, I love that guy. Oh man. Uh, oh shoot, I didn't get the actor's name, but he's. You you mentioned he's like this huge, huge Mexican icon. Uh, Emilio Fernandez, uh, or uh, also known as El Indio, uh, he was like an actual Mexican revolutionary from the 1910 to 1917 one. Uh, he is half mestizo, half Native American. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, he he's just like this legend, and he's got just such a face and such a huge <laughs> presence. Uh, oh yeah he's only in a couple of scenes in this movie but you feel him the whole time he's so cool uh so tacho or is it taco i think it's Uh, tacho tacho i think yeah yeah he is the uh i guess he's the ruler of the entire country that this place that this story (laughs) takes place in the fictional country that doesn't exist yeah i guess so yeah yeah and just uh you know, it's like this jungle paradise. Hey, come to my jungle paradise. We have the most beautiful women in the world. You can't look at or touch them because they all belong to me, but we do have them. They're mine only. Uh, and also, anything that you find is mine only. 
Uh, he, it's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of a variation on the sort of character that he usually plays. He's uh, probably best known as Mapache, who's the main villain in The Wild Bunch. Have you ever seen oh, okay. any Peckinpah? No, no uh, I haven't. My favorite director, number one. Uh, oh. we'll, we'll totally have to watch them. Uh, the Wild Bunch is usually considered the masterpiece, and it's up there. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to watch them sometime. Okay, cool, cool. Um, yeah, so he's he's not even a villain. He's just a character. He's just there. He's the guy in charge. He's the mayor. Yeah. yeah. It's just like yeah, the, the dude who's uh, running the company town, basically. You know, anytime you go through, you got to pay your tax to him. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. You got to... You got to pay the toll. Yeah. And if you go in and you didn't actually find anything, well, you got to go back in and try again. Well, I think he'll he'll search you if you have nothing. It's like, well, I guess I won't take anything from you because you have nothing. Like, that's fair enough. If you got fleeced, that's fine. But, yeah. you know, if you, you come through Don't and- Don't lie to him. You, you've got any money hidden on you. You're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and we find out at the end, of course, it's not an idle threat. Yeah. Uh, but we're getting ahead of ourselves a bit, I guess. We begin with uh, we well, we begin with all these awesome jungle shots and the Kick-Ass theme song. Oh yeah, this is a this is a Mort Garson score. I'm a big fan of Mort Garson. Oh, cool. cool. Uh, you may know his his album Plantasia. Very. Uh, a, a fundamental uh, f- progressive electronic album uh, from the early, like late seventies, early eighties. Oh, I'm not familiar with it. I've probably showed you tracks from it before, but yeah, Plantasia. You probably have. It's fucking rad. Uh, th- this is less synthy than that. Uh, you know, it's a mid eighties. It's kind of doing a jungle adventure theme, sort of a mock John Williams thing. It's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, it it really works. Uh, they have a they have like a disclaimer slash warning at the beginning saying, "Hey, we couldn't find the original audio, uh, so we just tried the best we could with the sources we had." It's fine, to be honest. I, I didn't notice. Yeah, I mean, I've heard, definitely heard Vinegar Syndrome releases with much worse audio. Quite honestly, like oh, a, yeah. a lot of them tend to have really uh, hissy audio, uh, really harsh, hot audio. I, I guess it's just because that's sort of the stuff that they work with, but they don't really make any attempts to process that. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's, it's fine. Yeah, no, it sounds good. Uh, it's, it sounds a lot better than Bermuda triangle does. Oh God. <laughs> that fucking dub. Oh, I'll, I'll probably watch that tonight. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So we, uh, so we meet our, I guess you're gonna call. I guess we're gonna call him the hero. He Gringo mostly does heroic things, except in this very opening bit. Uh, Gringo. Gringo the Damned. Uh, Stuart Whitman, just a, a, a one of the big classic name actors in this. Uh, just in, in lots of stuff. He was in Night of the Lepus. He's oh, one of okay. one of the main guys in that the the giant rabbit monster movie. Oh shit! All right, <laughs> uh, pretty bad. Uh, uh, he's in lots of stuff. Like he goes back to the fifties, I think. Okay. So he he's in all sorts of classic stuff, and then he's mostly in TV. 
by the 70s so this is sort of a, a step up for him to be in be the the lead in a movie he was of course the reverend james johnston in uh renee Cardo, cardona jr's earlier guiana cult of the damned true crime film oh I'd follow him to Johnston Town. <laughs> Johnson Town. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not a very good movie in my recollection, but I'd be interested to see the uncut version because the version I have is a shortened version of it. Oh, okay. Which is pretty common with a lot of these. I, I, all the versions in this set are the full versions, I think. Cool, cool. I, my understanding is they're doing another volume maybe next month, which is cool. Oh, right on. Yeah. Uh, so Gringo's, Gringo's introduction doesn't really match anything else that his character does. Uh, he's napping, and this native guy comes, tries to take something out of his pouch. So he throws a dagger from his boot and cuts off the guy's finger and then throws him overboard. Well, he he throws the finger overboard, and it gets in the uh, and the piranhas get it, and then the guy menaces him, and then the guy ends up going overboard into the into the piranhas as well. Yeah, yeah, but I just think it's funny. Like he, after throwing him overboard, he tries to save him. Like help, help! The guy I threw overboard has gone overboard. That's <laughs> yeah, weird, and it, it it's not really the sort of guy he is. The rest of the movie, he is no. the only conscience that this movie has to any degree but he is still sort of a jerk kinda <laughs> certainly at the end <laughs> we go out with him giving the finger which is pretty fun well honestly. she deserves it <laughs> she just dropped him like a rock <laughs> she didn't even say nothing she's like oh gringo I love you she sees the plane and she's gone oh shit my ride's here see ya <laughs> call me or don't so long, Gringo. I got paid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, he, he is sort of a weird figure. I guess it's also part of the nature. It's, it's like we were saying with Tetsuya or Katsuya in the previous film, where he just kind of needed to be a lot of different characters because that's just <laughs> what the script was like. They, they had a lot of different things that they needed the character to do. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's crusty old man who knows how to get through the jungle. Yeah, and, and this is because he I, I, he his backstory is that he was once beset by headhunters with a group of friends, and he came back with all the heads, the, the all of the shrunken heads of the friends he went with. Yep, and, after six know, years or something. Yeah, after six years. And, yeah, and apparently it made him crazy, but we don't see much it's not of that. that crazy. No, he seems much less crazy than the people who try to hire him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we do see him flash back to his past, but nothing ever comes of that. No, not really. Although we do get, I, I think it's mainly just an excuse so we can get a beheading in there. Uh, that's okay, then. It is a pretty excellent beheading, I gotta say. <laughs> uh, yeah, so these two guys are impressed with uh, Gringo's skills and decide they want to hire him because they're looking for gold. Uh, that's Pablo Zafata and Jairo Vicia. Uh, Jairo is the worst of a bad bunch. Jairo cannot fucking wait to double cross everybody. 
Hiro is just such like he's as you often allude to, he is a star scream just waiting to happen. He really, really I, I don't know what Zapato thinks is going to happen at any point. Like this guy is just <laughs> the underling who's going to kill you. You're going to go off to the jungle with this guy. Cause I mean, even, yeah. even in this first exchange where Zapata goes up and talks to Gringo after the guy goes overboard and they have just sort of a weird exchange. And then Gringo goes down below and just tells Hiro that like, Oh, your buddy told me I could have a drink of your liquor. And he <laughs> said, and uh, it's like, oh, no, whatever. He he's not even capable of dealing with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like he's so eager to double cross everyone that he's he wants to do it now. He doesn't want to wait until they've got him to the gold that he's looking for. He's he's in it for the double cross. And it's amazing because he has no capabilities of his no. own. He needs people to ferry him there. <laughs> but yeah yeah but but he has just no capability of uh doing anything he just needs to double cross everyone it's it's like a pathological need yeah yeah i mean theoretically he's double crossing them over the gold but he'd do it over anything right i couldn't even remember if it was no isn't it diamonds they're the diamonds, it is the diamonds because we have two <laughs> treasure MacGuffins. And a rumored third one, although they never do find any oil. Right. They were looking for oil and they found the diamonds, right? <laughs> they found so that's our that's our next uh group of characters. Right. Dick and Clark and Barbara. Dick and Clark. That's funny. Yeah. Uh mm. is is Dick the plain guy? No, Clark. Clark is the plain guy. Dick is the guy that reminds me of Greg Sestero. Yeah, Dick does absolutely nothing. Clark sucks. Clark does absolutely nothing and then shows up at the end and like, hey, I think I should get all the diamonds now. I thought Clark had died. Like, I had forgotten about Clark. He had been missing. I thought the reason that they ended up teaming up with the others was because he had died and they had no other way out. And then... He just shows up and it's like, this guy didn't get his comeuppance? Are you kidding me? I hate this guy. Because he's got the shittiest introduction. Yeah, he's flying the plane with Dick. Um, they are looking for oil in the Amazon by, I guess, flying around and seeing if they can see it from above. Well, they, they're flying around and they land in different, because it's a float plane. So they land and they yeah. take soil samples in all sorts of places. And that's how they end up finding this spot where there's these diamonds. Yeah, but before they do that, he has got to be like, oh, hey, yeah. I see an eagle. I'm going to race him and try to clip his wings with my propeller. Yeah, his favorite thing is trying to just mulch birds with the plane propellers and stuff, which is both an asshole thing to do and just super stupidly dangerous. You know, <laughs> yeah, birds take like... down planes a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and this isn't a big plane, and birds can get big over there. Yeah, so it's it's extremely stupid. Uh, and yeah, he's just a fucking asshole. Uh, this guy's also a, a major famous actor. This is Bradford Dillman. I'm sure I've seen him in things. Uh, he's in Compulsion, which is, uh, a, I think it's another, yeah, it's it's another Leopold Loeb story. So he's oh. one of, I can't remember if he's Leopold or Loeb, but he's one of the two of those. 
in like the major one where Orson Welles is the guy trying the case. Oh shit! Okay, that one's pretty Damn. good. Uh, he's one of the main guys in Piranha. He's <laughs> nice. in Escape from the Planet of the Apes. He's like the uh, bad guy uh, uh, human that the apes meet up with when they come back to the seventies. Okay, I watched that pretty recently. <laughs> yeah, right on. Yeah, he, so he's he's one of these dudes who's in everything. I think he's the uh, corrupt chief in Sudden Impact, one of the later Dirty Harry movies. He's mostly a bad guy. He's also, he's like the second in command in Guiana, Cult of the Damned. Oh, <laughs> nice. So a pilot guy, hitting, hitting yeah. birds. Yeah, hitting, well, he doesn't hit the bird, and Dick's like, hey, yo, that's not cool. Let's land over there, and eventually they find a skeleton with diamonds. Yeah, they're, they're I don't know how they just happen to dig just a teeny little bit, and there is just a skeleton and diamonds. And like, oh hey, how about that? And it's a yeah. headless skeleton. Oh my god, head Oh hunters. no, dun dun uh, dun. So we cut to our introduction to Barbara now, uh, the white girl. She also really, really sucks. But will she remain a white girl? (laughs) 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 Uh, Uh, Untamed mistress. That is one jungle trope this movie doesn't have. Uh, That's true. There's no raised by gorillas. That's true. There's, I mean, that that was a real specific 50s exploitation trope, I guess. There's, you don't get a lot of that. Well, you get the Tarzans, but you don't get the weird, sexy version of it that you had in uh, Untamed Mistress and Ngagi all that often. <laughs> Thankfully, because it's messed up. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but she... Her accent. I can't figure oh, it out. She's... It's like she's trying to do Manhattan Socialite and Southern Belle. She is uh, not a good actress. <laughs> I'll, I'll come out and say it. She is not a good actress. She was she was a model. Mm, she was okay. a Miss World. Oh, all right. Cool. Uh, which, you know, yeah, she's a supermodel type. Uh, is Anne Sydney. She is British. So she, I don't know. I think she's maybe trying to do kind of a f- maybe her fifties American adventurer accent. I don't know what she's but going like for. through it's, a British lens. That yeah. makes sense. It's, that tracks. It's it's very strange. It doesn't come off at all. Nope. <laughs> it's very bad. But you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, she. Probably would have come off a lot better in Bermuda Triangle, where all of the dub is bad and everybody sounds fucking <laughs> terrible. Because this, she actually has to contend with Donald Pleasant. She has to contend with yeah. Bradford Dillman. She's got to contend with El Indio. Uh, there's, uh, of course, Stuart Whitman. Well, she doesn't have to contend with Donald Pleasant. They don't share a single scene. No, that's right. They, I think they <laughs> wave to each other at some point, basically. Uh, yeah, they, they do. go past. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, the only thing we learn about her in her introduction is that she just absolutely hates this god-awful jungle paradise that she's in. She's a Southern Belle, which is just, I don't know why they chose a British supermodel to be a Southern Belle. Why she even know. had to be that? Why didn't they just make her a British character? Yeah. What's and, the and matter? Here's, from this scene, I thought she's just supposed to be like 
Dick's boy or Dick's girlfriend, but no, she's a scientist who's here yeah. on the expedition too. Yeah. They're, they're an adventurer team. Like maybe they're with national geographic or something. Yeah. She's like, she's supposed to be an adventure girl, but she's not. No, she is not. She's not <laughs> as bad as like Willie Scott in temple of doom, but she's kind of more on that timeline than towards uh, Karen Allen. <laughs> she, uh, her response to anything is uh, shooting her gun into the jungle. Yeah. <laughs> Dick, I thought you were coming towards me. You shot with a rifle. And she just yeah, starts I firing. You. I thought it was you, Dick. <laughs> like, um, okay. But Dick does <laughs> Dick's not going to survive. No, Dick is not going to survive. Dick, well, most of these, yeah. actually about half of them do. There's a de- decently high body count to the cast because yeah. it's, yeah. as I said, it's an all asshole cast. Like pretty much everybody, person, every single person in this movie sucks and is bad, and you want them to die. It's yeah. really just uh, Stuart Whitman who's sort of salvageable. Sort of quasi salvageable. Uh, speaking of assholes, our next uh, our next guy. Now, just because he's German doesn't <laughs> mean he's a Nazi. He's a secret Nazi. <laughs> Donald Pleasance as a uh, ex World War Two German who escaped to South America, but isn't a Nazi though. No, no, it's I, you. You don't understand. It's I'm not really a Nazi. I just want to revive the glories of the Third Reich. Uh, yeah, Klaus von Blantz. <laughs> Good name. Uh, set up to be the villain, but he doesn't interact with the heroes outside of one scene. He's just he's a got villain. Own... He's a villain to. He's a villain who doesn't have a hero to contend against. I mean, he and brought... he still loses. He brought his villain or his quasi hero along with him. Uh, the the lady. The, the oh, topless wow. lady who is a queen of the jungle. A queen Jeez. of the jungle is another trope you can just like check oh, right yeah, off. Yeah, right. I didn't even put that <laughs> on my list. Uh, I, I couldn't tell if she was a queen because she's she's was Tacho's wife, which I guess makes her a queen, but they're all his wives. So yeah, it's... but she seemed to have underlings and stuff. Like when she came, there, there were like specific people who reported to her when they showed up. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so uh, Marimba and Klaus von Blantz are after this gold that's uh, supposed to be in the jungle that everybody everybody else is after. Yeah, and and Hiro and Zapata are chasing after, are tracking them, thinking that they're going to get the jump on him and steal the gold. That's current setup. Right. So I, I, I it's fairly straightforward in that. There is one wing who are looking for gold. There's one wing who are looking for oil, and then they find diamonds, so they're looking for diamonds. And then yeah. our middle guys are just looking to steal from whoever they can, so they know about the gold that this guy's looking for, so they think they're going to steal that, and then later they catch wind of the diamonds, so they're going to steal that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gringo basically... Well, when he hears that they're that they've been tracking the equipment being delivered to Klaus von Blantz, when he hears the name, it does a shock zoom on his face. They have they a lot of before. shock zooms. There's some <laughs> excellent shock zooms in this. There's oh, that one yes. moment where it just 
does a shock zoom to each person in the scene in every person's <laughs> eyes. It was like, oh, yep. Mwah. <laughs> Uh, we don't find out what kind of history, if any, Gringo and Klaus actually have. We just know they don't like each other. Is he involved with the him getting s- stranded in the jungle? We don't know. It's just he knows he's a Nazi. It's like I yep. hate that guy. He's a Nazi. And that's good enough. And like we and... do know, like we we certainly learned that he does suck and he's an asshole. <laughs> he's he's also very stupid. Yeah, just dumb. I don't know what he thought he was doing at the end. Yeah, at the end, I'm like, <laughs> what was your plan for this part? Yeah, it just like, in, like there's a series of decisions he makes, starting with, I mean, spoilers, but like when he kills off Marimba, when he shoots her and is like, this, I don't know what you're doing here, man. She is the only person who could possibly save you and get you out of here. And then, yep. you know, things obviously go the way they go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we've uh, we've met all our players now. Uh, it's time to meet the boss, the mayor, the chief, uh, the president, Acho, El Indio himself. <laughs> this guy is just like he he's like if uh, the. Oh, I definitely shouldn't have said it was illegal. It's hot today. The the Cayman he's, Islands banker, yeah. Yeah, he's like if that guy had a harem. Yeah, he's just like uh, an evil jungle king. So you, yep. you got your jungle king. and Obviously, he has his harem. All of the native girls are always topless. Uh, unlike Untamed Mistress, this was the mid-80s, and you could just have copious nudity, and it was fine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it does. nudity is cheaper than gore the gore you get a little bit of you get some spices of gore that crab scene is really gross the crab scene is (laughs) (laughs) the heading scene's a little wonky like when when the it hits it takes two hits and you see how felty it is it's like oh no he's beheading a muppet (laughs) (sighs) But yeah, he basically tells everybody like, hey, um, I don't care what the hell you do in that jungle, but anything that you take out of there, I got to get my share. Right. Which is and... fair, although he takes a big share. <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> Very big share. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's that guy. Yeah. And of course, they, like uh, uh, Marimba, her thing is she wants to get she in she wants the gold because she wants to uh, buy her daughters out of sexual slavery because they're obviously owned by yeah El India like everybody. Yeah. Oh God, that reminds yeah that reminded me of the line that he says when he meets her. It's like oh, it's gross. Yeah, she's like, he's like, hey, you can't touch them, and she's like, they're my daughters, and he's like. There are daughters, but now they are my wives. Yeah, like ew. ew. Yeah, really gross. Yeah, so there's like this guy gets away with everything. He gets zero comeuppance, of course. Yeah, there's a few people who suck who get no comeuppance, and I like it, it is. There's a major ick factor to a lot of the movie. Uh, it, it is hard exploitation being set in 1958. Kind of softens that in a weird sort of way because it's like. Yeah, I mean, that scene, it feels like a pulp adventure. Yeah. Uh, But 
uh, yeah, it does leave a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. It's like, oh, some of these people really fucking suck. <laughs> All these people are fucking garbage. <laughs> yep. The steamboat docks and they've got the ancient Amazon mud wrestling ritual that I'm sure is a real thing. <laughs> As the priest is giving this it's so ridiculous. sounds like it might be like actual like actual mythology about the Amazon tribe. But they're just like, it's just all these spring break babes mud wrestling. It's clearly just, you know, some extras he could hire who would get naked. And they're just like, you know, wrestling. They're doing some mud wrestling. It's just a beach wrestling. They're they're in the sand. And, you know, they have some paint on. It's like, these are not Amazons. Give me a break. Come on. God, no. I don't think a single real Amazon appears in here. No, of course. Well, this is made in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, entirely made in Mexico. They did not even go to the Amazon. It's not that oh. far, but. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, still looks good no it looks good they they chose very good locations it has better look than uh bermuda triangle which really doesn't look like they went somewhere <laughs> uh, yeah so uh they gringo meets with the nazis like trying to look inside his his boxes and see what's there and it's like oh why are you doing that i if you don't stick your keep your nose out of my business I will blow your nose off your face. Donald Pleasance loves doing a Nazi accent. Oh, yeah, he's good at it. I mean, the the 80s, he didn't... 80s, you know, Donald Pleasance is up for anything. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen him do some crazy roles in the 80s. That movie where he turns into a pig. The movie, yeah, American (laughs) Rickshaw, that's after this. Uh, And, of course, uh, I think it's Too Beautiful to Die or whatever. The one where he's in the Wendy's. Oh, my God, the Wendy's salad bar. Yeah, trying to do a Wendy's salad bar. And he's just a strange food ritual. (laughs) Yeah, he's got, like, this complicated way that he makes a salad. That's the only way to make it. Yeah. (laughs) just a dry salad like a no no dressing <laughs> try wendy's salad bar uh salad it's very sad yeah so klaus and gringo exchange some words where it's like oh yeah well every time i beat you gringo i always get the bad luck yeah well i heard you were a big man at the concentration camp yeah, that I mean- doesn't make me a nazi yeah, he he is a Nazi, obviously. He is a Nazi. I, I, again, I, it's sort of post Indiana Jones. You sort of do have to have your hero or whatever come up against Nazis. It's just we don't really have time for a whole Nazi plot line, and we're in 1958, no. so we can't really have many Nazis. But you got to have a Nazi in there that they have a past, and then it's yeah. like, okay, we've we've checked that box off. They never need to encounter each other ever again. <laughs> They have a past, but they have no future. No, see you later, guy. <laughs> All right. He, yeah, he goes back to his guys. He's like, "Yeah, we're not going to follow the Nazi. We're going to go do something completely different." Yeah, <laughs> we're going to go after a river of diamonds. As, diamonds. Yeah. When he gives the explanation, then when he basically punctuates it with "treasure of the Amazon," yeah. that's when they do yeah. the triple shock zoo. Right, yeah, that one is fucking incredible. So yeah. these three fucking stooges go out in their <laughs> their diamond hunt, and they kind of become essentially the main characters. Yeah, basically. Although it's really obvious that our 
lowest tier guy. I mean, they they hire a bunch of natives. They have a whole outfit. They slowly run away or are killed off. Yeah, sometimes they're killed off by headhunters. Sometimes they're killed off by Hiro. He kills like four of them. He kills a bunch of them, yeah. He was trying to steal our stuff, man. You know, I'm trying to do a Joker plot here, okay? Well, it is fun that finally they get to the point where it's like, well, fuck you, man. You keep killing people that need to carry the stuff. Now you have to carry all the stuff, dude. <laughs> yeah, and he's like so butthurt. Like, this isn't how I thought this would go, this would or should go down. Which is when we have that perfect fucking cartoon editing moment of him complaining about the injustice and then he just fucking steps into a sinkhole and he's just up to his neck in quicksand <laughs> he's like oh my god help me though yeah. <laughs> one, it's like all for one and one for all splash <laughs> i don't need you guys i don't need anyone <laughs> it takes one step <laughs> who needs you i'm taking my ball and going home and he like slips on a banana field and goes into traffic yeah it's fucking great and so yeah his the condition of him being saved from the quicksand is that uh he has to carry all the stuff yeah yeah basically they they i love that they like they just sit and laugh at him for a bit while he's in the quicksand they have a smoke they chat for a little bit and then they're like all right all right that's enough I had initially hoped that they were just going to leave him there because he's such an obvious ticking time bomb of, well, if you save him, he is going to try to kill you again. There, there's really no question about that. Oh, yeah. But not not for a little while still. True, true. Uh, we have to follow our oil guys who are now our diamond guys. Right. Uh, Barbara and uh, Dick and Clark, they, they find diamonds. Yeah, they find them. <laughs> and then Clark takes off right yeah i think he takes off on his plane to go get i'm not really sure what he's doing why he's leaving this is why i assumed he died because it's a it's a longish movie and there's a a good hour or more where he's just not in it's like did that guy get killed off and i forgot about it did i like doze for a second (laughs) yeah well I kind when he showed up again, I had forgotten about him. I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess he got his plane fixed or whatever his storyline was all about." For me, it was completely just because whatever this it fucking is guy is dead. For we don't see him do any of it. Yeah, I just like I, I I couldn't believe he didn't get his comeuppance. No, he he did. They oh they do encounter Klaus again. They just see him on a ridge. Yeah, uh, with his horses and cargo, and they. Kind of wave to each other while they're going down the river. Yeah. And that's the last they interact with each other. Right. Um, okay, yeah. Clark's plane, I guess it ran out of fuel for unknown reasons. And he has to land in the water and get towed by the steamboat. Oh. He's gone for... So he meets up with Hugo Stiglitz. Oh, is that who he is? The, the, the guy, guy? Yeah, the steamboat captain at the end is uh, Hugo Stiglitz. Who's great. Okay. I love that guy. He's one of the main guys in uh, Nightmare City, which is my favorite bad zombie movie. Ooh, okay. It's like uh, an, a cheap Italian uh, fast zombie movie. The, the zombie makeup is so cheap. It looks like just <laughs> someone threw some oatmeal on their faces. Uh, <laughs> 
and it's it's just absurd they're tool using they make plans they like sabotage a power station the zombies they fly a plane and they lie in wait for press to gather it's it's great <laughs> awesome nice <laughs> and he's like the cameraman who's uh on uh like on hand for like one one of the one of the press on hand for the plane full of zombies arriving in town <laughs> nice yeah. great movie cool what was it called you said nightmare city it's nightmare got a city. bunch of names though i i, I don't <laughs> oh, know it's one of those yeah uh, um i think we might have skipped over it but uh dick got shot with a blow dart by the headhunters at one point yeah i know and... he somewhere around here dick gets killed yeah he he stumbles back to uh where him and barbara have made camp and she hears him approach so she just starts shooting into the jungle as she does it's her thing. <laughs> she, yeah and um yeah dick basically dies uh or he's sick in the camp barbara hears other gunfire so she goes out to investigate the gunfire is from hyro shooting one of the natives again and she, yeah again uh, I don't think it's even the first time he's done it either. No, I don't think so. He he does it several times before they're out of natives and he has to carry everything. He yeah. really didn't think it through. As no, he typically he does not. Nothing through. <laughs> Nobody so, has thought anything through here. Because it's it's when Dick has it, it's like around Dick dying that she ends up coming along with them, and then she's yeah. aligned with uh, Gringo, obviously. Yeah, she she meets up with them around here. Uh, they be, the headhunters behead Dick while she's out right. uh, looking for them. Yeah, <laughs> and but fortunately, they made their camp in the Diamond River Cave thing. Right. Yeah, that that is pretty funny. She comes back and finds him beheaded. Yeah, it's like you got to help my freaking dying husband. Oh. <sighs> <laughs> shock zoom into her mouth oh yeah right of course we have like the horrified scream <laughs> yeah uh so she she is with them and now uh you know our diamond side is consolidated into one group and they can be yeah. picked off one by one and of course hyro is the first to go but it takes longer than you'd figure yeah, yeah. First, they have to like argue about they they do the whole arguing about divvying up the loot thing, and Gringo's got to do his whole. You can't get out of the jungle without me. You need me. It's a okay. Com- well, yeah. It's it's treasure of the Sierra Madre, full on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And obviously, they can't do anything without Gringo. Gringo is the one that neither of them can get anywhere without. I don't know. Yeah. How either of them ever thinks that they might be able to get away without him because he keeps telling them that. And then like he, he threatens to leave and he's like, well, shit, if he actually leaves, we are screwed though. (laughs) (laughs) And then he does leave. Yeah. He just fucking leaves. You know what? Fuck this shit. Keep your fucking diamonds. I'm taking the girl and we're just going to go home. You guys do whatever. Although he secretly did have diamonds. He he secretly took the diamonds because, you know. But there's lots of diamonds to choose from. There's so many. A river of diamonds. Yeah. So after Gringo leaves, 
and takes the girl and it's just Safada and Hiro. That's what Hiro's like, all right, I'm taking all the diamonds of double crossing you now. And Safada's like, you fucking seriously, dude? <laughs> you think that's really gonna work? He's like, <laughs> like I, I've been thinking it through and I think it'll probably work pretty well. I'm like, how are you gonna get out of this? Like, well, I don't know. And <laughs> obviously he turns it around on him. Yeah, Z- Zafana took because Zafana or because Hyro's been like shouting from the rooftops that he wants to betray everybody. Yeah. Zafana took all the bullets out of his gun, uh, <laughs> Clint Eastwood style. Yeah, and he he just does a real slow roll, and it's like, all right, well, shoot me then. <laughs> and then he like reaches into his pocket, and you know he's got all of the bullets there, and just like drops them. It's like. Well, I'm just going to tie you up. I mean, I couldn't kill you. You're a buddy of mine. Uh, killing you would just be wrong. I'm going to leave you to a much more horrible death by headhunter. <laughs> yeah, but it's not headhunters that get him, though. No, uh, the crabs <laughs> get him. The oh, crabs. Man. Oh, my God. This. Uh, if you're not scared of crabs, you will be after this. If you are scared of crabs, maybe maybe you don't want to watch this. I, I'm not all that troubled by crabs. I, I found it, it's a, it's a good gross gore scene. The crabs just fucking destroy his face. They, they pop uh, his just eyes. Pull out his eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, pop him and just like drain Ugh. out the goo. It's, it's so many and they're so small. It's pretty solid gore. Jungle crabs. Uh, that's kind of an unusual one. I, I got to give him props for it. And yep. yeah, you got to get a whole bunch of crabs. They click. Yeah, <laughs> solid. We got like these close-ups of them with their little crabby eye stalks. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, and yeah, it's their pinchers supposed to be pulling out his eyes and stuff, but it's obviously it's it's fakey, but it's solidly fakey. It's good. And him going, I ah! think it's good. <laughs> yeah, the whole time it's great. Yeah, like ah, oh, why didn't you shoot me, you bastard? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> So then, of course, uh, uh, he, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Pablo catches up with uh, the other two. It's like, yeah. hey, I, I don't know. Hyro decided to go his own way. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, he decided that, didn't he? Did he? Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, technically, yeah, he did. It was a mutual decision. We, we felt that we needed to grow apart. It's like, okay, yeah. okay, fine. I mean, Hyro sure. sucks. If it were Hyro coming back, I probably wouldn't say yes, but I guess you can come <laughs> along. Yeah, you seem uh, slightly more level-headed. Good, good. Now that means that uh, now that we're together, we should share everything. Including the girl. Mm. Mm. Yeah, we gotta get Gringo. real sleazy with it. Yeah, yeah. it's like, okay, well, I'm just gonna go here. And, yeah, Zafada, like, basically goes to rape Barbara, and Gringo eventually kicks the shit out of him yeah he, he takes a moment but he's like eh, yeah i can't really uh allow this to go down because i mean she's terrible and really annoying but yeah yeah he's supposed but, to be the hero yeah so you know he prevents he prevents the rape uh they do a fight uh, zafada is going to crush his head with a rock but barbara doing the barbara thing shoots him of course yeah, it's, it's Barbara's thing. So uh, I guess now Gringo and Barbara are a couple. Sort they, of. They do makeouts and stuff. I mean, not really, but it's it's weird. They do makeouts. 
it, do makeouts. They're, they are briefly uh, supposed to be a couple. And I, I guess it's her supposed to be like, she is rewarding him for helping her get out yeah. of the jungle. And he thinks it's a relationship. And also she kind of wants in on those diamonds. You know, oh, she, yeah. She'd like to get some of those diamonds. So she's sort of looking to get her cut, which is now oh, totally. half. Uh, but yep. then uh, obviously, you know, at, at first opportunity, she'll drop him because he sucks. Yeah. Hey, let's check in on Klaus. It's been uh, probably about 45 minutes. How is he doing? Right. So he uh, finds the gold. He finds the gold. Uh, not a whole lot of fanfare about that. No. But but he does find it. And then they get attacked by headhunters and... <laughs> He basically does like the Arnold Schwarzenegger commando, like just wave his gun in their direction and they fall over. Yeah, he's massacring tons of them just all out. It's it's crazy. And then they get away like it's him and the lady uh, Marimba. The the two of them get away. They get away and he just decides to kill her. Well, he decides to kill her when after he sees that she opened up one of his bags and it had a shrunken head of god knows who i don't recall uh i don't it it wouldn't be anybody we know because we don't see any of klaus's backstory yeah i don't know but yeah for for whatever reason she finds that and then it's a a very brief thing and he realizes he reveals that he always intended to betray her because that's what everybody in this movie is out to do is to betray everybody else but yeah (laughs) Yeah, like he he told her this whole thing, like, yes, you have a place next to me in the Third Reich. Like, uh, no, she doesn't. <laughs> right. Uh, so <laughs> like, he guns her down, and then he goes on with the gold and tries to not pay the tax. So he ends up. Well, we we see him at the end. What happens to him? Yeah, he gives the like. He's trying to fool the. He's trying to fool Tacho at doing such a poor job that you have to. He obviously didn't have a plan for this part. No, he just and didn't he, want to pay the tax. Yeah, he just was like, no, no, I didn't find any gold. Uh-uh, no. The Reich needs that money, that gold. Yeah. So yeah, he, he gets strung up. Yeah, yeah. Hooked uh, up. Hooked up. His last words are the saddest, most pathetic Heil Hitler you'll ever see. <laughs> They're all pretty sad and pathetic. Well, well so yeah. Uh, th- then meanwhile... Uh, the the other guys they come back and they have a little bit more smarts about it. Like it takes a bit. Yeah, yeah, because they're like, "Did you find the gold?" And Gringo's like, "No, I didn't find any gold. I found no gold. I'm telling you the honest truth." And it's like, mm, "I don't believe you." I think it's Barbara who finally says, "Will you please just tell yeah. him, give him the fucking diamonds?" Jesus Christ! He's like, "Well, you you." only asked about gold not diamonds and like yeah you know i'll let you out let you go on the technicality but i could kill you right now (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's like it's like you didn't lie but you did fib (laughs) it's like i don't like it ah but you're gringo you're gringo look you're you're not as bad as most of these assholes and look if you hadn't told me look what would have happened to you and he takes him out to where uh (laughs) pleasance has had a hook driven up through his jaw and out his mouth yep hung by the tongue pretty grody <laughs> yep so he takes his tax which is considerably more than half of what's on the table yeah 
And uh, but of course, Gringo has hidden diamonds in his boot. Of course. So they, they've got their their last little bit of take that they can get away with. And they celebrate and it seems like they're a couple. And then the next day, plane guy shows up and she's gone. She is just like he turns around and is like a cartoon shaped uh, her of dust on next to him on the riverboat. And it's like, what the heck? It's literally like that. Yeah. yeah. Like they're 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 celebrating. He's dancing. They're telling jokes. The plane goes and she just turns around and doesn't even say a word to him. And she's on the plane. She's just gone. It's like they're they're toasting with the champagne flutes and he turns around and like they ding and but like the flute just drops and she's just gone. <laughs> yeah, it was just floating <laughs> in the air. <laughs> yeah. And and she's <laughs> off with plane guy and he reveals like she she pulls out her thing of diamonds, but it's just sand. And then he reveals that he has it all. And he's also got just a bunch of topless natives. <laughs> yeah. And he's just sitting on like the corner of the boat, like it's a throne. He like surrounded by a harem. He looks up at her, just gives her the finger. Yeah. Like shows her the diamonds, gives her the finger. He's surrounded by topless natives. And she's like, <laughs> I got to give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm just imagining plain guy being like, you know, no, let's go we're back. We're in a Cessna. We can just turn around. <laughs> this is. Let's get some these diamonds. You know, yeah, th this is built for water landing. We can go back. <laughs> I, I picked you up away. from the boat. <laughs> like I made sure I have enough gas this time. But now, you know, no. she's got to give it to him. He he outfoxed her. He was the best con <laughs> of the bunch. He was, and that is treasure of the Amazon. It's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Is it, uh, <laughs> a real all asshole film <laughs> it's pretty silly uh, a lot of characters don't make sense and that's kind of not the point no and i think it's just seeing the jungle yeah give people what they deserve yeah and you get every single jungle trope you you really throw all of them together and they're pretty well executed uh yeah. at, you know decent a decent budget level and I mean, especially it's a solid cast, you know, better yeah. than you usually get with the Rene Cardona cast. Yeah. yeah. And not, <laughs> the dubbing, you know, I, I don't think you have dubbing so much in this one. It is abundant in Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> yeah, no, th this uh, this was a lot of fun. I recommend it. Uh, yeah. I mean, if, if you're into jungle adventure, you uh, definitely would dig it. Uh, so do you have any last thoughts on Treasure of the Amazon before we head on to part three? Yeah, but I don't know how to use words to convey a shock zoom of going up on my face without just describing it. Like, yeah, that works. <laughs> it works, but somebody still has yeah, to no, maybe describe what's true. happening. That's true. Yeah. All right. Well, on to part three. And we're back for part three, where we're talking about the other movies we've watched on physical media in the past week and decide what we're going to cover next week. All right. What do what do we got on the docket this time? So first up, finishing off the Villages of the Damned box set from Vinegar Syndrome is The Sky is Falling, The Sky is Falling, a.k.a. Bloodbath. Ooh. Uh, so this one, it's. Uh, you got mainly an English-speaking cast, in primarily Dennis Hopper and Carol Baker. Oh, okay. Uh, Dennis Hopper as a junkie named Chicken. So you got Chicken, <laughs> the sky is falling, right? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, 
he's part of this sort of group of drunken boozy expatriates from various places who are in this coastal spain village that uh it's it's sort of spooky but they're all kind of unaware of it because they're all kind of wrapped up in themselves and their own bullshit and then one day out of the sea basically these this group of weird hippies arrive and just each of them seems to be perfect for one of this group of expatriates and they all kind of take them off and they're seducing them but like teasing them and they won't quite go all the way with them and i don't know everybody ends up fucking dead <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> you know? uh it's, it's like a curse uh i don't know it's uh, it's my least favorite of the three i would oh. say for sure it's it's it just feels more silly and euro trashy it doesn't kind of have that deep folk horror feel of the others but you know, it's sort of bubbling around the edges that some sort of curse has been placed on them. But uh, most of the movie is following these characters who are too self-aware to or too uh, self-absorbed to be aware of what's coming down. All right. So you're kind of just in their POV. And he's like, I mean, something's going to go wrong here, but I don't really know what it is. And then <laughs> you know, people get chopped up slowly. Well, it sounds like, fun, at least. It's, it's kind of almost a slasher movie in a weird sort of way. That's kind of the impression I'm getting. Yeah. Uh, next is the Bermuda Triangle, next in the Rene Cardona collection. All right. We've already talked a little bit about it, but uh, let's let's get into it. What is the Bermuda Triangle? So the Bermuda Triangle, uh, it's, it's an earlier Cardona. It's, I think, 78. And it is... It's a Bermuda Triangle thing. You know, there's this uh, <laughs> cruise ship and they go to the Bermuda Triangle or they, they stray too close to it because there's an SOS, but it's a phantom SOS from like a ship from years ago. And, uh, Oh no. You know, all, all of the, they got you know, lured into the triangle. Yeah. And uh, there's also this thing with the haunted doll that they find floating there. Oh no, no, not a haunted Bermuda Triangle doll. You know, it's from like some previous, haunted. yeah, some previous expedition doll and uh, they, they find it and, uh, they pull it up and the little girl gets a hold of it and she sort of becomes possessed by the doll or at least she's always talking to the doll and it feels that it's telling her all sorts of things. And, you know, she immediately goes to the kitchen with it after fishing it out of the ocean. She's like, my doll says it's really hungry. She's <laughs> like, okay, a little, little miss, I can get you some cookies. And she's like, well, thank you. But the doll would like some raw meat. <laughs> like, okay and he just still gives it to her uh, <laughs> well here's your raw meat yeah weird also comical black chef uh not not the best stereotype character but the the fun thing is he's clearly written to be uh the the sort of step and fetch it style bad like 30s stereotype who's <laughs> oh, miss a... and he's always scared of oh. ghosts and he's really scared but the, the, in the dub whoever uh dubbed him was not up for that <laughs> <laughs> okay so they, they they voice him very dignified like this all the time like well i'm sure scared mister <laughs> so so the, the dub is kind of fun it does some weird things with all of that stuff uh but you know it still has parts where He'll lean over and a plate of lobster gets fall like falls over on him. Like whoop, whoop, whoop. 
they they open the freezer and he's just been trapped in there and he's shivering. <laughs> <laughs> it is obviously a huge step down in quality compared to Treasure of the Amazon, but I won't lie, I enjoyed it more personally because I'm into this kind of crap more. Like <laughs> I... Treasure, <laughs> Treasure of the Amazon, like I I can understand really liking it, but it's a movie that like I'm not into the jungle adventure style that much. So it doesn't do a lot for me, even though I recognize it as a pretty good example of the style. Whereas this one, it's garbage and it's hard garbage, <laughs> but it it has so many weird little things about it that's like, ah, look at that. That was ridiculous. <laughs> and like the little girls going around uh, saying like, well, I know how you're going to die. The doll told me. And everyone's like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Oh yeah, you sh- you shared a clip of that. Like somebody says something like, "Oh man, it sure would suck if this happened." No, no, that's not how you're gonna die. Yeah, that's not the way you're gonna die. And it, like, does the shock zoom into her face, and she like <laughs> walks away. Yeah, uh, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, that sounds fun. I I like uh, Treasure of the Amazon a lot, but as far as jungle movies go, I think I just wanted to see what one was like because i couldn't remember seeing one recently and untamed mistress doesn't really count (laughs) no this is a much more refined form (laughs) yeah uh, but now that i have i'm like "Hmm, that kind of had everything in it so i don't know if i need to see another one unless it's doing something special it's true it really does cover it all i mean this one obviously is not a jungle adventure yeah no sure (laughs) and i'm I'm interested (laughs) in seeing this because it sounds great it's I mean, i'm gonna watch it's it regardless a, anyway yeah yeah it is it is a whole lot of fun it's pretty absurd next we've got the brain from planet eros uh so you know eros if you added an e on the end it's arouse oh fuck so there's a reason for that <laughs> no <laughs> you, you got this this scientist and they there's a crash he goes to investigate it and it's the scientist who really feels like he deserves a bit more and he kind of wishes his girlfriend would put out and then there's this there's this evil brain from space that shows up it's a criminal brain so there's another brain it's been chasing it oh no through space and it's it's crashed on earth so for special effects purposes and you know it's 1950 something it's really you don't got a lot it's low budget right so it's they they made like one brain balloon. It's a balloon. It lights up. You can see it lit from the inside. And they, they just give it a couple different voices and they they have the same shots of it that they superimpose on different things because it's not most of the time it isn't um uh what's the word? Uh uh tangible. It's it's usually intangible and cannot be touched because it, it just becomes it it possesses people, sort of. Right, right sort of possesses sort of a collaboration in a way like uh like venom yeah sort of like that uh so uh, obviously our scientist guy he runs into the evil brain and it possesses him and there's this absolutely fantastic scene where he's sitting in a chair it's this guy john agar who just he's he's this great 50s guy who has this sort of he's got this really clenched jawline and he has this really crazy rictus grin that makes him look like a maniac. He's the guy who's on the poster who's got like lasers coming out oh, of his eyes. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Ooh. That's uh, a real guy. Yeah. So it's him sitting in a chair and the brain from planet Eros is like 
yelling at him like i'm an evil brain from space see i'm gonna take over your body we're gonna do really powerful things i'm gonna take over the world using your body with you as my you know i'm gonna take you along with me (laughs) by the way your girlfriend's pretty hot we're gonna get some from her and he's just like sitting in this chair sweating with that grin on his face and it's like he he's you want to say (laughs) oh no (laughs) don't do that uh it's it's interesting you know it's it's one of those 50s ones that's kind of nakedly about repression repressed sexuality and our repressed urges and everything and you know it's fun he 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 decides he's going to take over the planet and he can like create the power of an atomic bomb with his mind so it's a very powerful criminal evil brain but fortunately the brain that's chasing him meets up with his girlfriend and it uh, goes into his family dog and it just follows him around everywhere, in, including on their dates. So it can break <laughs> it up if he gets too, too touchy feely. <laughs> That's good stuff. <laughs> Honey, does the dog have to come into, does the dog have to be in the room with us? Yeah. I mean, it's, well, they, they're not in the room. They, they're out in the car, you know, oh. you go out to lover's point. Oh, and you bring the dog? Yes, because she doesn't want to go all the way. <laughs> oh, well, this, oh, this oh, is okay. 1950s. You're not going right. all the way, mister. They're not married yet. Oh, God. No, no, you can't. You're right. <laughs> oh, my God. And you know, all in the subtext of this. So, like, it is a movie that's kind of very uh, directly confronting that, but through a sci fi lens. Okay. So, it's like, I, I'm not talking about that, but I am talking about that, you know? <laughs> No, like the the ones that sort of talk about McCarthyism and the Red Scare uh, mm. through the lens of aliens, right? Cool. That sounds actually that sounds kind of interesting. It's pretty good. Uh, like I shouldn't oversell it. It's not that smart, but it definitely <laughs> has those ideas in mind. Like it, it okay. definitely is thinking about that. Okay. Uh, okay. Next is Solomon King, which you saw. Yeah, um, that sure was a movie. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, is hired to protect a princess and then he fails to protect the princess and he feels really bad about it so he goes and gets revenge yeah the princess they get up end up in a relationship and she's like super duper clingy with him and like that that type of uh would you still love me if i was a worm kind of clingy <laughs> yeah it's really annoying uh, and then she gets shot by a sniper yep and then yeah, he, he's got to get his revenge. And he goes yeah. all the way to apparently Saudi Arabia and they like <laughs> am, they siege a castle, which like the first time I saw this, I didn't know that happened in the movie. I'll yeah, just because... say, I thought they were just in Southern California the whole time, which they are, but they are, it's supposed yeah. to be them going to the Middle East to raid a castle owned by an oil sheik, which just on the yep, second viewing is, totally uh... sober, it kind of blew my mind. Uh, European <laughs> on the outside, vaguely Middle Eastern on the inside. Yeah, with uh, Southern California sewer system. Yeah, it, it, they are just entrances to sewers that they're raiding, as if they're like secret passages to castles. I mean, it's yeah. really shoestring budget black exploitation, <laughs> and I do kind of love that. I I love uh, Manny. I think his brother yeah (laughs) the brother of the main character he rules uh he's got the biggest butt and he just 
he's so funny every scene like he can really <laughs> run with those ham hocks and yeah he, he like knocks people knocks oh, over yeah. like a painter it's like move your wide <laughs> yeah it's so good and uh obviously he's the one who you know pulls the money out of the guy's pocket after they kill him and throws it back and i'm like spin it on your dead ass now <laughs> <laughs> fucking rules <laughs> also tremendous soundtrack just so good oh oh yeah it's still got like that main groove stuck in my head <laughs> uh what i don't have songs stuck from in my head is 40 acre feud the next film in the ormond's box which we covered uh the first four of last week oh yeah now is this worthy of an episode or one fourth of an episode again at best one fourth okay <laughs> <laughs> it, i mean it, it, it may be interesting to you because like we've talked about the hee-haw thing before this is like proto hee-haw it's like okay it feels like a demo reel for the concept of hee-haw it's it's i think a few years before it has most of the same people on it and it's sort of doing that concept at a lower rate of quality the ormond level of quality okay <laughs> so uh, it's got a lot of major country stars oh cool they're doing their hits but i mean they're so obviously lip-syncing and they're not <laughs> even close most of the time and sometimes they have to do some shtick which doesn't ever work i sent you a bunch of clips from this because it's kind of amusingly downbeat a lot of the time everybody's singing about how shitty their life life is oh yeah like i guess i'll go kill myself <laughs> The way my baby done me is nothing to write home about. <laughs> That's what it was, yeah. That's like the main song in the movie. It like recurs. <laughs> it's it's like our guy who's our up-and-coming singer who finally gets a chance to perform at the end. Hmm. <laughs> the plot itself is pretty thin. It's this thing where it's, it's a uh, Hatfield-McCoy's type, hundreds-of-year feud. Right, right where the, it's these two warring clans and uh it's uh, due to incorporation and uh the census or whatever uh they they now need to elect a representative so they're holding a vote and they're also having a concert so somehow this extremely tiny place with a population of like 50 gets uh <laughs> george jones and skeeter <laughs> davis and uh loretta lynn like major <laughs> fucking stars at the time and you know they all do they sort of do their songs uh furlan husky does a couple he's pretty cool timber uh it's it's just fucking weird like all of the shtick just <laughs> falls flat on the ground every time uh you got mini pearl doing her mini pearl thing which she did a lot on hee-haw <laughs> And yeah, it's the the point is over the course of it, they're going to vote for one of the two clans, and one of those guys will become the mayor. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so they're like brigading for each other over the whole uh, course of it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, it's thin. <laughs> it's thin. I mean, yeah, it sounds like a lot, but then I remember listening to the plot of White Lightning Road sounds like it's a lot, but. Sure yeah wasn't. it's it's much like that where it's almost all songs and then there's this <laughs> sort of thin ribbon of plot that's running in the background and then at the end it comes to the conclusion you've been expecting for about <laughs> 35 minutes <laughs> uh 
next we've got Golem. Ooh. This is a Polish film from, I think, 1979. Okay. Uh, very interesting uh, sort of Kafka-esque sort of thing. Uh, this dude, he is in a police interrogation. And he keeps insisting that he really doesn't know anything. He wishes they'd ask someone else because like, man, uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And the, the, the police officer is asking him about the people who live around him and what they do and all of the, you know, there, there's been a murder on the floor below him. Right. Okay. Like, and he's like, I, I just I don't know him. I, I mean, all I do is work. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know how to answer you. And it sort of also comes out that like he doesn't he can't even name he can't even give his father's first name. He just keeps coming back to him like, no, all I know how to do is work. I'm sorry. I, I wish you'd ask someone else. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So they let him go. And out in the hallway, he sees his own dead body being hauled away, which he doesn't oh. totally recognize as his own. Okay, good. Because if he did, man, that would be that'd be really shocking to have to deal with. Yeah, he looks at him like, huh. That's sort of weird. And he knows the guy's glasses have fallen off and like the glass have fallen off this corpse and he hands it back to them. And he's sort of haunted by it. He looks at him for a bit and like, we can see that it's kind of the same dude. <laughs> like, huh, huh, that's strange. And, uh, you know, he goes back to work on the thing he was working on. He, he does uh, brass plate uh, engravings, right? He's a metal worker. Uh-huh. So it comes out uh, through like we. It's it's very. Uh, have you ever seen Terry Gilliam's Brazil? No, I've been meaning to. There's a lot of both Brazil and Twelve Monkeys that I feel may have been directly influenced by this. Oh, okay. You you have all these sort of interstitials that feel like sort of future transmissions where there are these scientists in like sunglasses and stuff, kind of like our guys in Twelve Monkeys. Uh huh who are talking about this experiment that they're doing. And the issue is that our guy, uh, uh, Pernat has gotten out too early and he is a facsimile of that dead body that they were taking away. That was the original guy. Okay. And they, you know, after they copied him, they liquidated him, you know, quote unquote. Right. And now the thing is this guy kind of accidentally got out early and then, just sort of instinctively bat- went back to his own life, to his apartment and stuff, you know, quote unquote, his life. And everybody yeah. sort of recognizes him. And it's just him as this facsimile of a, of himself trying to figure out what his own life is with these people who sort of know him because he didn't really know anyone. The very interesting thing about alienation. And then somewhere midway through, I think the apocalypse happens. Oh, you okay. <laughs> you don't see it, but then, you know, places that you've been, you come back to them and they're completely destroyed. All right. It's the first in a four-part series, uh, Pyotr Zhulkin's Apocalypse Tetralogy. So it's oh. uh, first in that box. Okay, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Next up is Delirium. Uh, one of many by the title. I think I've got at least three. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's definitely a title that i've seen for multiple different movies so this one's from 1979 it's a first wave slasher sort of kind of okay. a, sort of a hybrid slasher this was okay. on the original video nasties list all right promising maybe 
it's it's a it's a weird one so it's kind of like what i was talking about with ravage a few weeks ago it's kind of got a similar concept to that with that one had the cult of serial killers this one's sort of like that okay so the thing is there's this serial killer that the police are tracking there's this he's it's it's the vietnam vet who's uh snapped and is bringing the war home and he's just been hacking people up right right so he he's on a war path the thing is he had just been hired by this group that hires mostly vietnam vets and people who are sort of in uh, on the fringes of society who are pro-violence because they okay there's sort of this paramilitary organization who uh like to arrest people that they feel have gotten away with crimes and try and execute them themselves oh that's a good group to have running around yeah it's a say you group-esque thing but uh, yeah sort of (laughs) you know them doing that so they're this sort of shadow organization and so since this guy just got hired by them they're pretty worried that uh, he's going to lead back to them because he just kind of snapped and went on a killing spree unexpectedly. He oh, okay. uh, he put a spear through his girlfriend. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, just a- out of nowhere. Uh, and then he's just out killing people and on this fucking spree. And then uh, so the, the 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 vigilante group is out to get him to try and get him before the police get to him to so that, you know, to stop them from getting back to them but of course once this guy is taken care of the police already are pretty deep into whatever's going on there and they start (laughs) following it back and it sort of becomes this other movie about the the police trying to take down that organization okay that's that sounds kind of cool too it's pretty solid pretty pretty good yeah sounds like it next we've got a jess franco i haven't done one of those in a little while Uh um as with all of them, you know, you've got that hazy sex nightmare sort of feel to it. This one's Black Boots Leather Whip. Okay. <laughs> and it's kind of like a pulpy noir, but, you know, through that, you know, like Tough Guys Don't Dance, more on that sort of noir, the pastel neo-noir, where right. it's more just people vibing in rooms kind of noir. <laughs> yeah, I kind kind of think i get that so you got uh lena romay who is franco's usual gal i mean i think they were married and she's in most of his movies uh i've seen her so naked (laughs) (laughs) so much because she like he made like 150 movies right uh and she's in most of them have we done any i i can't remember i don't believe so okay uh i i think of you know roland is the more refined version of franco because right you know roland made like 20 movies franco made like 150 they're a similar wavelength but you know it's it's the sketch versus the oil painting at times right <laughs> i see uh, so this one i i quite enjoyed it is uh lena romay is the femme fatale she comes into this guy because it's not even his office it's this dude who's getting out of town and I guess he's a con man or a hired gun or something. And she wants him to retrieve this purse for her that's in the trunk of a car in a junkyard. Okay. And he goes to retrieve it. This guy, Al Pereira, who's just this mean son of a gun. 
<laughs> and he he goes to retrieve it and then there's these two dudes who try to ambush him and he kills them and he still retrieves the purse and he thinks she's trying to trap him maybe she is i don't know but she has this whole plot where he wants her or he, she wants him to help her murder her husband and his lover and I think there's this other lover and then there's like a doctor and it's just like this <laughs> whole expanding thing. It it kind of feels like inherent vice, but more <laughs> as a sex dream. <laughs> Kill my husband and my daughter and my daughter's dog and my daughter's dog's friend. You just need to do a lot of killings and it's, it's not unlike, uh, you know, bloodbath or... It, it is very inherent vicey in how sort of weirdly dreamy noir it all is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just so much sex, like endless <laughs> sex scenes that go on forever. Uh, Soft core, but like very explicit at times. <laughs> uh, and yeah, just a, a very bright sea haze all the time, mostly taking place in the middle of the day. And uh, he, he, in following this thread, he he sort of gets involved in this, weird bdsm subculture world that uh her husband is involved in i think her husband is gay and uh there's this dom that he hangs out with who has the there's the titular leather whip and yeah it's it's a lot of stuff okay (laughs) amidst the sex right right and last up is catacombs uh this is a charles band movie uh the puppet master guy uh, he also did that one dungeon master that I talked about last week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, th- that's kind of stuff. Uh, have you ever seen name of the Rose? No, I haven't. Christian Slater, Sean Connery movie where they're, uh, it, it's sort of, uh, another post Indiana Jones type thing, but it's like they're monks investigating a monk murder in, I don't know. It, it, that one said in, I think the 16th century or something like that. And they uh, uncover secret religious mysteries, but they're uh, hiding this monstrous guy who's played by Ron Perlman in the movie. Who's like chained up under the convent. Oh shit. (laughs) This is kind of like a mockbuster of that. Uh, And it's uh, there, there are these monks and yeah, there's a evil wizard who's chained up in the catacombs under the convent since yeah, you know, for like six hundred years or something. Sure. This one's yeah. this one's set in the present day though. Oh. And there's just you know regular people there, and uh, you know people have gotten pretty permissive and uh, open-minded. You know they're listening to headphones and stuff. They're pretty chill. Oh no. And then like there's a lady there, and I don't know maybe the lady's sexual energy allows the wizard to get loose, and obviously <laughs> he starts possessing people, and you know starts killing people killing yeah. uh, the main abbot and then the, the really strict guy rises into power and he's an idiot so he screws everything up and you know <laughs> uh, uh and i i think he's trying to bring about the apocalypse sure as you yeah. do yeah uh it's got tim timothy van patten as the main hero priest which is weird like I, I don't think you'd know him from much stuff, but he directed an episode of Boardwalk Empire that we watched recently. Oh, okay. Uh, he's sort of a prestige TV director these days, but he was more of just a TV actor back in those days, and he was like the main character in um, The Master, aka Master Ninja. 
<laughs> All right. He was just a guy driving around in a van with a pet hamster who learns <laughs> kung fu from uh, <laughs> oh, it, it's Lee Lee Marvin, I think. No, not Lee <laughs> Marvin. Um, uh, the ugly. No, not oh. not the ugly. The bad. Lee Van Cleef. Lee Van Cleef. He yeah. learns. He learns how to be a ninja from Lee Van Cleef. It's a TV series. <laughs> he and his pet hamster run around in a van learning ninja skills from Lee Van Cleef. Then the hamster was able to perfectly <laughs> mimic the ninja skills and he became Master Splinter. I mean, you, you have to hope. I haven't watched the whole series, but we, sh- <laughs> we should watch some sometime. Yes. So those are our nine picks for this week. What do you figure? Uh, right now, it's between Golem and Delirium. They're pretty good uh, picks. Yeah. Now, let's see. I But I'm not sure which of them, if any of them, or both of them, would you say is like the most different from stuff that we normally cover? Because um, we've done, like, I know we've done a lot of slashers, but you said that Delirium kind of changes towards the end. I mean, Golem is pretty art house. It's it's a very unusual film. It's got, uh, you know, it's very abstract style. It's kind of lo-fi sci-fi, sort of very interesting Eastern European experimental sci-fi kind of style. Oh yeah, right. Um, why don't we do Golem then? All right, it is pretty rad. Uh, definitely my favorite of the stuff I watched. Cool. So we have a handful of additions to the main stacks. Uh, first up from the Rene Cardona Jr. collection is Cyclone. Uh, some people, in it's a, his disaster movie. There's some people in a plane. There's rough weather and it goes down in the ocean. There's a cyclone. And oh man, the poster is just their heads screaming in a tornado. <laughs> It's it com- rad. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous looking. Uh, they they end up in the you know they crash and the survivors find uh, an a tourist boat and they gather on there but they're just kind of stuck out at sea and they're hoping for planes to come find them you know looking for them once people know that the plane went down but you know there are sharks and you know they it's hot and they're they have no food and they have to resort to cannibalism. Okay. Here it's bleak. <laughs> mm, yeah. Uh, next is Birdie, an early Nicolas Cage. Ooh. Uh, I haven't is... seen a lot of early Cage. Yeah, this would be, let's see, uh, before Moonstruck, a few years before Moonstruck. Uh, 1984, it looks like. Yeah. So it's he's kind of, I, I feel like Matthew Modine is, like, it's been years since I've seen this, where... I believe Matthew Modine is the main, main character, but it's the two of them. They're uh, friends since high school or maybe childhood or whatever. And uh, Matthew Modine is just totally obsessed with birds. Okay. And he's always wanted to be a bird. The two of them go to Vietnam and they come back and it you know messed him up a bit, especially Modine, who's pretty fragile. Yeah. And uh, he's, you know, with his PTSD, he's slowly decided he's maybe going to become a bird. And he's kind of working on his bird suit, and he's uh, definitely trending more towards becoming a bird. And Nicolas Cage is this more down-to-earth friend who's trying to tether him back to reality. 
Now listen, it's okay. We all have a fursona, but I think you're taking it a little too far. Yes, like I, I cannot remember exactly uh, how how their relationship goes, but uh, is I, I recall it being semi whimsical, but also kind of like weird and <laughs> sort of downbeat. All right. The next from the Ormonds set is Girl from Tobacco Row. Oh wow, Tobacco Row. The Tobacco Row, this is like, you know, the, the farming area where all the big tobacco farms are in, I guess, probably North Carolina. Something okay. like that. This yeah. seems like probably right. I don't know, something like that. Probably. I, I'm not, I don't know this stuff. But uh, yeah, she the specifically an impoverished tobacco row in this case. And you know, she's dreaming of bigger things. Uh, and there's just, <laughs> I, I like the way it's stated here, her abundance of persistent and shiftless boyfriends makes it <laughs> difficult to escape from this life. So an escaped convict shows up and, uh, tries to, uh, I, I, it's, it, it feels like it's supposed to do, a uh, fucking Starkweather type story, except not much happens and like they hang out with her dad who's a preacher who's a singing preacher played but like he's a preacher played by a singing cowboy tex ritter <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> typical hormone stuff i guess sure <laughs> uh next from the apocalypse tetralogy the one with Gollum, is war of the worlds next century or second century now, that box art doesn't look like uh, the War of the Worlds that I know about. This is, uh, I mean, it's a Polish version. It's really lo-fi, like Golem. And it's it's Y2K, right? Uh, although, oh. you know, it's made in 81. Yeah. Martians show up for 1999. It's like heading up to the millennium. They show up and they're like, we're taking over now. We're, we're just taking over. Uh, uh, pack your things. We're, we're your new bosses. <laughs> It might be a better timeline than this one. And it's sort of just following this one reporter who uh, receives instructions from them. It's like, okay, you're you're following orders from us now. And they they like take his wife away. And he's just like, okay, we're, we're going to tell you how you're going to report the news to uh, make things easier for us to arrive. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's not how reporting is supposed to work. <laughs> Uh, it sounds pretty intense, but also kind of weird and, uh, you know, art house sci-fi kind of thing. Cool. And last edition is White Ghost, uh, another in my uh, Vietnam, post-Vietnam movies. Uh, this, <laughs> It's this guy, he's believed missing in action, but he's still fighting the Vietnam War back all, all the way in 1988. <laughs> 15 years later he's still there <laughs> just still out there fighting a one-man war uh yeah it'll probably be total trash but uh, <laughs> you know, it'll be funny it's also got reb brown and a reb brown always you know cracks me up All he right. screams <laughs> ah! <laughs> uh so yeah those are our only additions uh what do you figure for our main feature uh this week well i'm thinking we're pretty much right smack in the middle of summer uh it's been hot it's gonna be hot it's gonna be what is a hot movie 
let's see what do we got for hot movies on the list here uh picasso um, trigger i think is gonna count most likely uh, that's definitely a, a, a hawaii movie yeah so that that'll count uh long walk looks real dusty yep <laughs> uh it's it's in laos a laotian oh. movie okay what is long walk uh uh discovers that the ghost of a road accident victim can transport him back in time 50 years to the moment of his mother's painful death what it's it sounds really grim <laughs> oh my hmm. sounds harsh yeah but it looks like the weather's hot <laughs> there's black sunday which is a super bowl movie i i don't recall if that one's a hot day super bowl is usually it's like january february oh is it is it oh yeah yeah, so. yeah. uh decision at care. sundown is gonna <laughs> sundown. be a hot one i bet well and halfway to hell and i think that that's the that's the next al adamson and then that one would also be i think with five bloody graves which is those are definitely al adamson in the desert shooting a western Mm, so those are hot movies all right Hmm. (laughs) well i have been meaning to get around to the next in the uh hard ticket to hawaii series the andy sedaris verse yeah yeah so why don't we uh why don't we take a visit to that we Last time we did that was like our maybe I think our fiftieth episode or forty ninth. It's quite a long time ago. So Picasso Trigger from nineteen eighty eight. Uh, Picasso Trigger is sir not appearing in this movie. He's dead, and that's what <laughs> kicks off the plot. They gotta go find out who killed Picasso Trigger. Oh yeah, that's right. Picasso Trigger is a name. That would also be a good name though. Who killed Picasso Trigger? <laughs> mm. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you've got this bad guy who uh, they're uh, out to get Ortiz uh, because his brother was killed by the agency. And I think we talked about this before. I feel like he was the guy who went out the window at the end of Hard Ticket. Oh, yeah. The, maybe. The, uh, maybe the, the like very obviously white Mr. Chang something like that that that's my recollection i could be misremembering uh but yeah Picasso we'll find trigger. Out. uh the, the be a big contrast with golem which is a much <laughs> different sort of movie a different tone of movie altogether yeah i, I kind of wanted to contrast that <laughs> uh, yeah it should be good so picasso trigger and golem they are both 80s films though that's something there's some connection between them Sure, sure. <laughs> so, uh, do you have any last thoughts for this week before we close up? Yeah, jungle music. I feel like if I tried to do jungle drumming, the noise cancelling would just remove it, so I don't think I can. <laughs> uh, it's the uh, thought well... that counts. <laughs> just imagine it. You're all hearing it. It was awesome good job uh yeah uh just uh imagine a racist soundscape (laughs) 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 uh thanks so much everyone good night